For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Paperwise this morning, remember the name of Alana Quinn Idris. Uh, she was hit in the face with the saddle of a scooter by a male during an attack. She lost vision in her one eye. I was reading in the Red Tops this morning that she now is ashamed to look at her face in the mirror because of the damage done to it. It's very sad. Uh, one of her attackers um, got a three-year jail term to one of her cowed, cowardly attackers handed on yesterday. And still, uh, she was quite reserved and very dignified, although she did say that she would felt that she was very let down by the sentence, very let down uh, by the state. And she said that she was disappointed that he only got three years after the attack that blinded her in one eye. Uh, one other character apparently is still at large and the guard investigation is still ongoing. But the man involved in the cowardly and unprovoked attack in which she lost sight, never mind the traumatic psychological damage done to her uh, not the, and also the fact she lost sight in one eye, jailed for three years. So when you do the maths on things like that with good behaviour and what is it? Is it a quarter off or a third off or something like that? will serve quite a lot less than the three-year sentence. Um, it's, it's, uh, it, it just it beggars belief sometimes the sentencing handed down in Irish courts, doesn't it? And then there's another bizarre story where uh, we seem to be racing towards the American gun culture in this country these days. A gunman caught on the CCTV footage chasing his victim. He's got a gun, he's chasing a guy in Lidl. Um, uh, the story makes all of the red tops today. Um, it's um, one that uh, talks about a daylight murder bid. Uh, not God only knows how people who were shopping in the Dublin store felt when they saw all of this can't carry on. But um, uh, the video footage, the stills of it make uh, all of the, the red tops today. And so does a suggestion in the front of the mirror and the taxis, um, that the taxi industry and taxis themselves and cab drivers should be um, um, policing the street. I mean, I think it's fair to say that a lot of the time, certainly taxi drivers in, on Leaside help people who need help. And it's not necessarily people who need to just get home. They often come to the aid of people who might find themselves in some kind of trouble or, or a spot of bother. And they're always very helpful to the guardie anyway with regards to investigating incidents that happen in Cork. Um, so that happens anyway. But asking them to, in a kind of an official, untrained capacity uh, to get involved in monitoring or policing the streets of Dublin following the Dublin riots, some might suggest that that's a step too far. I, th- I think actually what really needed to happen back then and still isn't too late really on, on certain key times is to have the army involved in, in policing the streets. But anyway, I made that for another day. The front of the mail continues um, with the uh, change in status for Ukrainian war refugees coming into Ireland because they're going to have the welfare slash now. It's going to come down from the €220 a week. There's over 100,000 already who will continue to receive the €220 a week plus all the additional benefits that comes with it. But anyone new coming into the country from a date soon to be announced will have it slashed to €38.80 and they'll only be uh, given somewhere to stay for 90 days and after that they'll have to source their own place to live. So that's the headline making them in the mail this morning. Refugees 220 uh, welfare to be slashed and they're only given state accommodation for 90 days. It's a big coalition strategy change of that you can be sure. Also uh, and we need to acknowledge and to some extent celebrate, although God knows our energy and utility prices are ridiculously high anyway, but the front of this morning's independence says that one of the big four has broken ranks again, a second price cut on the way, it's SSE Airtricity bringing down the cost of
of electric by nearly 13 cent and gas by 11.5 cent. Sorry, percent, I should say. 13% for electricity, 11.5% for gas. So what should happen in that regard is that the rest should follow. I wonder, if is, does that apply to people who might be locked into a rate? You know the way you get locked into... You get locked into um, um, maybe a mortgage rate. I wonder if the same kind of thing applies to uh, to energy costs. But one thing's for sure anyway, shopping around is very, very important. Um, and keeping an eye on when you're out of contract because that's the time when you need to bounce from one energy provider to another. And when you talk about money, this farcical story uh, that continues with regards to the uh, Cork Convention Events Centre, it continues to roll on. Now, originally, uh, without wanting to give you the, the whole fairy tale all over again, Owen English is the man for that in the examiner. His, I don't know, he must be fried from this story at this stage. But you might remember originally the state was going to give 20 million and that's what was agreed to give to BAM and, and Heineken back at the time. Heineken pulled out and began BAM and Live Nation. So 20 million was originally pledged, right, for the initial state package in 2014. And this is 2023. So it didn't end at 20 million. It now stands at 57 million in state age aid. And uh, Owen English and the examiner this morning says the council is going to call for more funds to be given to the event centre. It's expected that the council will make recommendations on the additional state funding required within the coming weeks. So um, this news comes just uh, two months from the 8th anniversary, which will be in February, the 8th anniversary of the 2016 sod-turning ceremony on South Main Street. I mean, it's mortifyingly embarrassing. Um, I, I, I don't know, do they feel it's even embarrassing? The BAMs and the Live Nations and the City Council and all those stakeholders that are involved in it. But there you have it. Oh, oh, and incidentally, remember we were told twice this year about sod-turning in the third quarter. Third quarter's gone now. We're into the fourth quarter that they'd be breaking ground and starting. Well, of course, that didn't happen. And now, I think with all of those numerous targets that have been missed, on English is suggesting now that it will should it should start sometime in the new year. They're anticipating construction will start in the first quarter of next year. I, I think they kind of make it up as they go along, to be honest with you. Papers also that talked this morning, another Owen English, he's busy with the pen uh, at the Irish Examiner. 100, 100 parking fines issued in and around Cork's new look McCurtain Street since the revised road layout opened two weeks ago, which means there's a bit of a blitz going on up there in McCurtain Street, and you can't be parking illegally. Apparently, you can park just outside Irish international waters if you're a Russian submarine. The examiner carried on the front page today with a Russian submarine positioned itself directly outside the entrance to Cork Harbour and had to be chased off. How does a helicopter chase off a submarine? Well, it doesn't do it on its own. It does it with the aid of a warship. But neither of them are ours, apparently. They were British. Um, um, because we don't have the equipment, or plainly our depleted Navy doesn't have the equipment to detect potential underwater threats. I believe the problem is we don't have a sonar system that would pick up the likes of rogue Russian subs. They were doing nothing illegal. Don't get me wrong. They were outside the 12-mile limit. But what were they doing there in the first place? And why was it the British Navy had to come to our aid? That makes the front of this morning's examiner. Um, but in the real world, of course, with 
the countdown to Christmas continuing and all of the stories of Santa Claus coming and pressure on parents. The story in the Star this morning of a mother who was, this is a, an article that was given by New Action for Children, where a mother was forced to sit down and tell her three children that Christmas was cancelled this year due to financial hardship. Families struggling more this year than they were last Christmas. Uh, and uh, they give examples of children who are being assisted by the charity who have to walk two kilometres to and from school in the cold weather without any winter coats because their parents can't afford a car and they don't have suitable clothing. Others, of course, living in damp and mouldy conditions because they can't turn on the heat or can't turn on the lights. The papers then at the same time talk about the biggest shopping day uh, and that apparently is between midday and one o'clock on December 23rd. That is when the tills will ring. In that one hour alone in Ireland, 12 million will be spent in the run-up to Christmas between midday and one o'clock on the 23rd of December. And do you want to know why that is, or at least one of the main reasons behind it? It's because that is the busiest hour for men uh, to shop. But it, it, there's a couple, actually. There's then, and there's 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock on Christmas Eve, which doesn't really show men in the best light possible. If midday to 1 o'clock and Christmas Eve is the hour and the day that men are doing the bulk of their Christmas shopping, it is seriously leaving it to the last minute. Um, and it, it doesn't show us in the greatest light, really, um, from the point of view of planning, Uh, being organised, knowing what you want to get, as opposed to running around in a mad scramble dash at midday on Christmas Eve. They might as well throw in before we head to the pub for the afternoon for a skull full of pints. Well, I don't know. I think if anything, it just shows our species' ability to be efficient. You know what I mean? It takes everybody else three weeks, but a man can do it in an hour. There's nothing left, man. There's only garbage (laughs) at midday on Christmas Eve. Garbage! I just hate the stress of it. Oh God! Imagine waking up Christmas Eve. Like, um, look, sorry to anybody. So don't do that. Oh yeah, but I'm just saying. I'm the world's worst. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm the world's worst. (laughs) The show doesn't show our efficiency. I think if anything, it shows our efficiency. You just get in. You you go in. You get what you want. Maybe we spend the other twenty, whatever the the the, the eleven days of Christmas, thinking really hard about what we want. Yeah, yeah. And then we know exactly what we want. Yeah. Yeah, So we just only takes us an hour to do it. Then I'll buy that. Okay, (laughs) listen, guys out there, when do you do your Christmas shopping? Are you amongst the ones that do it between? midday and one o'clock on Christmas Eve the mad dash the upside to this story actually and there is some good news for for men we spend an awful lot more on jewellery than women when we buy a gift they spend on average 108 euro really (laughs) on jewellery Really? Men spend 206. Uh, there's other one or two here saying that women spend more than men in the run-up to Christmas, uh, except on Christmas Eve, because that's when men go wreck. But apparently men spend twice as much as women in the pub <laughs> on Christmas Eve. Oh, man, I just love it. Anyway, your text are welcome on that text, 0868104106. I was talking about taxis earlier on. I hope I'm still around in 2023 when we will have unmanned cars and unmanned taxis and flying taxis. Won't it be the most wonderful thing to go home in a flying taxi? But the UK Times this morning says the date for that, for licensing of UK taxi, it could happen now. I mean, they have designed the technology. Flying taxis could be there, uh, but we're just not ready for it. And I suppose air traffic control isn't ready for it. But they will be in 2023. And we have three serious acting superstars up for Golden Globes. Killian Murphy, Andrew Scott and Barry Keoghan all up for Best Actor at next year's Golden Globes. It would be fantastic if 
yeah, one of them won it, but it would be seriously fantastic if our own Killian Murphy won it for Oppenheimer. Um, of course, that is the story that makes all of the papers because the Golden Globes, a lot of the time, are a precursor for the um, for the Oscars themselves. And then finally, and I spoke yesterday morning on air with Paki O'Callaghan, the acting partner of the late Frank Toomey, and I spoke, of course, with Catherine Mahan Buckley. Um, and the papers this morning are full of tributes uh, to Frank Toomey. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think he would be so proud, and his family should be so proud that he dominates the front and inside pages of so many papers. The front of the Examiner and the front of the Echo both carry photographs of Frank Toomey who passed away early yesterday morning and also tributes on all of the red tops. And many of them pick up on my conversation with his longtime collaborator Paki O'Callaghan because he stole the show yesterday when he said that when every t- any time you'd meet Frank you'd leave with a bounce in your step and he's quoted in the Red Tops this morning as saying, Packy said that uh, Frank had the capacity to elevate people's moods. He grew old, but he never grew up. He grew old, but he never grew up. And I'll be coming back to that story a little later on this morning. I hope to source some, um, some audio, if possible, of uh, Packy and indeed uh, Frank Toomey doing their thing. We'll come back to that a little later on this morning. But may he rest in peace. Funeral arrangements, I'm sure, are being announced and uh, I'll, I'll track those down as well and get them to air a little later on this morning. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I was thinking yesterday when I got off the air about the story that made the front of the mail yesterday morning and I was thinking, you know, I really need to take a closer look at that because I thought that the headline was, was, was quite extreme. It said, Grandparents warned stay away from babies this Christmas. Um, and, you know, I, I find awfully the, the news these days, whether it's, you know, radio or television or the newspapers, it's all quite depressing and quite negatizing, isn't it? But I was thinking of that and it reminded me then of uh, the COVID times and the elderly cocooning and, you know, looking at people through glass and waving out windows and unfortunate people in, in nursing homes uh, with their families outside in the rain. And I was thinking, nah, man, this is a headline that really needs to have a, a closer look at it. It has to do with this virus, the RSV virus. But that's what the headline said. And then, uh, reading the papers again this morning, I saw it a second time. It's in the star. Elderly told steer clear of newborns due to RSV. So they're talking about newborns, whereas the male was talking about all babies. But at Christmas time, I mean, that would come as devastating news to families and grandparents, wouldn't you think? So put in a call to Dr. Scott Walken from the Irish College of GPs for Infection Control. He's up in Mayo, joins me by phone. Dr. Scott, good morning. Good morning to you, Neil. What what do you make of a headline like that? Can we drill into it? And what is RSV? And, you know, is this headline accurate, for instance? Okay, well, RSV is a really common viral condition that uh, pretty much every everybody gets it and will get it repeatedly. So we've all had it. And yes, it's, it's certainly inconvenient because it causes uh, head cold symptoms and sneezing and runny noses and maybe a temperature. But for the vast majority of people that get it, it's not actually a serious illness. It's inconvenient, but it's not serious. Now, I think where the, the, the headline is coming from is that in a small proportion of cases, and this tends to be people at the extremes of age, uh, including uh, including uh, newborn babies, uh, it is possible that they do tend to get more uh, severe illness. But most of the time, even then, uh, they won't need. It won't be very severe, needing hospitalisation. Uh, so, I, I suppose the problem for newborn babies is that uh, you know they, their, their immune systems are not very developed yet, and as a result of that, uh, I think whilst the 
the headline yesterday and this morning may well be well-intentioned. You know, I don't think any of us want to go back to how things were during the lockdown periods because we're social animals. You know, we really do need that social connection. Totally. Um, I think uh, perhaps uh, a slight uh, tweaking of that headline would be entirely appropriate. I certainly think that people who are sick uh, should stay at home and avoid uh, newborn babies. I think that's important. But is that, is that, is that always the general rule of thumb, though? I mean, I'm just looking at the headline. Doctors have warned grandparents not to visit newborns this Christmas. goes on to say, calls were echoed by the Irish Medical Council, which advised relatives should avoid kissing and cuddling babies under six months. I mean, it's, it's almost as if doctors are kind of agreeing with it. Well, my view is that if people are sick, they should not be in contact with uh, newborn babies. Uh, But because we also, it's really important, as we know from the pandemic years, uh, it's really important that we have social connectedness. So if people are well, I don't think that should encroach on Christmas celebrations. And that's the rule of thumb anyway, isn't it? Regardless of what year or what pandemic, if, if if you're sick... Is it that you, yeah. you you shouldn't be interacting with anybody or with babies? Uh, well, with with anybody, if people are sick, they should stay at home. You know, that's that's, that's the, somebody that's with the, the with the cold even and stuff like that. That's, yeah, that's 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 what the HSE position is that people should stay at home for five days from the onset of their symptoms, even from work if you have a cold. That's the, that's what the that's what the HSE advice is. Right. Yes. Okay. 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 So um, then, with regards to the elderly who perhaps heard this yesterday and wondered, "Oh my God, I can't visit family over the Christmas time." There's nothing wrong with me, but you'd never know. Um, don't take it with a pinch of salt, but it, it's not it's not 100 percent accurate. If people if people are feeling well, if people have no head cold, if people have no flu symptoms, if people are well, uh, then uh, in my view anyway, there's no reason why they should avoid social contact. Yeah. Social contact is very important yeah. for us as a species. Particularly at Christmas time. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Great, great to clarify that. Much obliged to you. Thank you so much, Dr. Scott. Uh, that's with regards to the story that was making the papers yesterday and again this morning. But a common sense approach from Dr. Scott Walken from the Irish College of GPs. But as the fellow says, um, uh, paper never refused ink. Interestingly, though, uh, we um, had some very good conversations yesterday on different topics of conversation. And one of them involved uh, an article that was also making the papers where they said that a new study revealed that employing a full-time stay-at-home parent would cost €55,000 a year. And then I broke it down into the different roles that, say, a stay-at-home parent would actually and possibly should actually be paid for. The childcare providing, the cleaning, the cooking... Uh, the teaching assistant doing the homework, the handyman or handywoman, the gardener, the taxi driver. Like, a lot of those wouldn't necessarily qualify for a stay-at-home parent payment. You know, the cleaning or the cooking or the handyman work or the gardening. They're things that you would do anyway. But some of them then, with regards to the childcare and looking after the children and helping with teaching or feeding them. But we asked that comment yesterday. We got some very interesting responses on social from it. Uh, Here's a few of them. Typical. Just when I finished rearing my four children, it suggested that stay-at-home mums would get 55 grand a year. Where was it? Where was it when I needed it? I wonder would they mind backdating it? (laughs) 
love that. <laughs> a backdated payment. So that would be like 55 grand rearing the children up to the age of 18 at home. I mean, I can't even think of the maths there. I think it's running somewhere near a million. <laughs> Somebody do the maths on that. I'm a, st- a single mom doing a full-time job and I still do all of those jobs for no pay. Uh, half the people in the country are already getting paid by their employers to stay at home three or four days a week and do all of that work. That's an interesting one. That's a sneaky below the belt. Uh, people who are supposedly at home working aren't necessarily working. Uh, they're doing householdy things. This is both laughable and ludicrous. Deciding to have children and raising them is a choice, remember. And a parent's duty is not recognised as an occupation. It's therefore not deserving of a wage. Thank you for that one. Every industry in the country would collapse because we'd all want to be at home getting 55 grand to caring for children. Care staff, chefs, drivers and so on. Uh, Why would you bother being any of those things anymore? If you want paying for minding your own kids, then you shouldn't be having kids in the first place. And just another few. As it stands, people are paying a fortune to a stranger to rear their children, aren't they? That's the real reality of this situation. And an interesting one here, having children is not just a choice, as some would like to suggest. And the article correctly highlights that the work involved in rearing the next generation of taxpayers, service providers, professionals and voters is in fact substantial. This is conveniently, time and time again, dismissed and ignored by the government and the family law courts who want all parents working outside the home. However, they haven't quite worked out how to properly support that and the children. Um, How convenient that they wish to change the constitution next year. Well, they do, and I think it probably needs an update with regards to a a woman's place in Irish society. Um, I do all of that, and I don't get anywhere close to that kind of a payment. Then I go home and do my fair share with my own kids. They need to pay everyone a decent wage to start and then look at some kind of contribution to the home. Uh, and that would be something to do with maybe upping the minimum wage to um, perhaps uh, the uh, you know the living wage and so on and so forth. Uh, there's many more like that. Extending maternity leave would do it to at least 12 months. And somebody says, why not? The Ukrainians are able to get 800 euro rent allowance and are allowed to work full time on top of that. So why not for sure help stay at home parents? Keep them coming. Text 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 0818 and then uh, last night at council meeting, this um, disagreement, for want of a better word, when it comes to some kind of, of a prayer that said before council starts. Remember, I was talking about that some weeks ago. Um, there's been a division within council now as to those who think there should be no prayer and those who want it kept. The prayer is, oh, Lord, we beseech you all our actions by your holy inspirations and carry them on by your gracious assistance that every prayer and work of ours may begin always from you and by you be happily ended. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. That's the prayer uh, before every bit of council business of a Monday night, but not everybody wants it. Um, Ken O'Flynn was posting about this last night and joins me by phone. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Um, so you're, you're up for the prayer, right? Well, it's 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 part of it's part of the work of the council. Um, we had a discussion about this in council uh, when a motion came to the floor about it in two thousand and seventeen. Uh, similarly, to the same time as when it was being debated in Leinster House, it was agreed then understanding orders that the prayer at a moment of reflection would be the prayer would be kept at a moment of reflection would be incorporated. 
Um, no, that's going, that's going back now probably about 2017-2018, Neil. Um, but the prayer has been in situ since the foundation of the state, since the foundation of Cork Corporation. So what happens these uh, days now when you start business? Well, we start business, there's a roll call, there's a... Um, there's a a vote of sympathy, there's votes of congratulations which are handed in, that's silently, that's handed in and then there's a prayer and a moment of reflection. The moment of reflection is there for those that have passed away as well as um, as those that do not, are not Christian or, or don't agree with the prayer or of a different denomination and none and there's a moment of reflection for, for that to be included as well before we start our business. Do people roughly stand that, for roughly it? Roughly that takes a vote of okay. But do they stand? Not, do they bless themselves? Do they, what do they do? I, I, well, Neil, for I'm 15 years now on the council, and we've always stood. Last night we had a couple of people who decided that, um, for the sake of publicity and for an opportunity, that they would not stand. And I found it. I personally, I found it very disrespectful. Look, if you're not, if you're not Christian, fine, I understand that. But there is a, an opportunity there for you to stand and reflect before we start our business at all. I think it's respectful to everybody, um, and uh, no matter what your belief is. But I think people that are using this now as an opportunity, there's a mechanism there. If you're not happy with the prayer, if you're not happy with the moment of reflection, there's a mechanism there that we'll take it to whips, and that it could be reviewed uh, for the next um, standing orders. Um, was this an orchestrated was, yeah, plan by some council members last uh, night? How, how no, many? There was uh, six. Six council members uh, decided not to stand. Um, all coming from the corner of discontent. Um, the corner of discontent of, is what corner is that? <laughs> well, it's not my corner anyway. <laughs> You're in the contented corner, are you? <laughs> look, look. There's no point to be. I'm discontented with a lot of things that happen in city hall, but the prayer isn't one of them. Um, yeah, the corner discontent. Look, I'll be straight that was made up of the member of the Workers' Party, a member of the Labour Party, um, and the. Trinity so, who, so who were they? I know that Lorna Bogue's been very vociferous about. Was she amongst them? Look, uh, but sure, look, Lorna Bogue now is the type of character that she wants. Be kind to be, now. Right? Don't be calling people. No, no, ca- be no, kind. No, no. no. No, I'm being kind and I'm being very Christian about it, but that lady wants to be the bride at the wedding, wants to be the child at the christening and the corpse at the funeral. What does that and mean, for God's sake? That, that, that means exactly what it means. It means that she's looking for an opportunity for, for to gain and garden as much as publicity four and a half, uh, after four and a half years of standing uh, for, 70, for over 75 meetings, during the moment of reflection, taking part in the prayer, but now for, uh, six months before a local election and a European election are being called, where now it's now a big it's now a big problem. I'll be straight with Janelle. Wouldn't we be far better off now not taking up the time of council debating debating a prayer and having objections and throwing our t- throwing our ties out of the prem than talking about the things that are really affecting Cork City. Well, like, I, I mean, why don't you vote on it, though? Have a, have a democratic vote um, and, and, and decide... And, as, and, what... as, and as, as I said, in 2017, when somebody brought a motion to the floor, I think, actually, it was a Finnegan member at the time whose head, head's retired, uh, brought a motion to the floor about removing the crucifix out of City Hall and also about the, um, the prayer. And that was defeated at the time. Nobody since the council, had the, this new council began four and a half years ago, has ever brought this up only last month. And it's funny. It's funny that we're six months out from a general or from a local election. So, well, actually, let me let me put that point actually to Lorna Bogue from the Green Party. She joins me by the phone. Lorna, good morning. I don't know whether you heard my earlier 
conversation with with Ken O'Flynn. Did you hear any of that? He he said that you. Uh, yes, you sorry, were, I, I got I got the end of it. Um, but firstly, I, I'm not in the Green Party. Sorry, so. I, I'm, sorry, my apologies. No, you're grand, you're grand. It's fine. But, um, Rar- on glass. Okay. Um, do, yeah, do, that, that, yeah. do, that's kind of a breakaway group, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. He, he described you as um, in the corner of discontent, wanting to be the bride at the wedding, wedding and the corpse at the funeral. What, what, what would your interpretation of that kind of a description be? <laughs> well, uh, you know, is Councillor Finn all right? <laughs> Does he not have bigger things to be worried about than whether people are sitting or standing during a prayer that shouldn't really be in the? Uh, shouldn't be on the agenda anyway um, in a 21st century uh, republic uh, democratic institution. Um, did you did you stand for it from, no I mean it's your it's up to you entirely as I'm just curious as to you know your thoughts on it but did you stand for it for many years? Um, well the, 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 the sort of prevailing thing that was happening during that particular item on the agenda was that people stood. Um, now there's no actual um, standing order that says whether people have to sit or stand. It's only that the recitation of the prayer happens at that point. Um, and I had raised an issue about, um, you know, um, last last month about, uh, I'm sorry, but we're called into a special meeting and the order of that meeting was a religious service, um, which I also brought up with the Lord Mayor last evening as well because no agenda was actually sent out for that meeting either. No, but so I don't want to talk about the agendas no of the meeting. Agenda. All, I want, all I really no want to concentrate is... No, no, I know that, like, but, that, <laughs> hang on, but that's, not, that's not relevant to now. What's relevant to now is that mm. the council meeting starts with the prayer um, and um, there seems to be uh, a lot of discontent of late in council as to whether there should be a prayer to uh, Christ our Lord, Amen. Um, well, I've always been discontent with the prayer, and um, Councillor Finn is correct in the sense that many other councillors have brought it up over the years, um, and um, it has still remained um, in place. Okay. But, um, why I are you discontented with the prayer? Well, specifically why I was discontented was actually because of the previous special meeting that was held, where no agenda was sent out, and the order of the meeting was actually a religious ceremony. So I had no way to opt out from attending the religious ceremony. I was obliged to attend that as part of the public business of council. No, but I, no, um, listen, I, mean, I, don't hate, I don't want to be dwelling on the point, but say it next Mondays and the Monday after and the Monday after that, you, you won't stand for it and you won't say the prayer. And I'm just curious as to, as to your reasons why. Well, my, my reason is that I disagree with the prayer being on the agenda. Um, there is no standing order telling me whether to stand or sit. Um, but uh, I am not participating in the prayer because I don't think that the church should have anything to do uh, with the life of the state. Isn't that a fair point, though, Ken, that, uh, that, you know, for far too long, they were indivisible and they were connected and shouldn't have been and should not be now that a, pray, a place to pray is a church and a pre- council business is council business. Get on with it. And there's nobody disputing that, Neil. But there's a mechanism there. If you are not happy with it, you bring a motion. Now, I can't understand how you can stand and you can pray for the last 75 meetings of the lifetime of this council and six months before local elections. It becomes an issue for you. 
Now, that's my that's my interpretation of it. That's my reading of it. Look, Lorna Vogue is a very, very capable councillor. There's other issues that are affecting the people of Cork this morning, last night, that could be debated, that we'd be far better off spending our time worrying about. But I have to say, Neil, for me, the moment of prayer gives me a very... Look, I'm a religious person. I'm never hidden behind that. I that I enjoy and I support my. So my why can't you pray? During, why can't you pray it? privately then during the moment I, of I, reflection? I I do, I do, um, I do. I pray every day. Actually, Neil, be honest with you. No, that's fair but, enough. Uh, and listen, no, and that, that that's 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 what I do, and that's I I great. But you could have do do we have okay. say for instance others in council who are not Christian, who are not Roman uh, Catholic, who who would have other correct. religions or none. Yeah. You have, and you have people that will stand up and they'll, they'll be silent during the moment of reflection. They'll be gracious enough to those that are, that are there to either stay silent and, you know, you don't have to participate in the prayer. There's nobody twisting your arm. There's no council official standing behind you giving you a jab of a sword saying you have to say the prayer. No, it's entirely up to you. But there is a mark and a level of respect. And, uh, you know, uh, you re- you've read out the prayer there, you know. It gives us a directive that we're here for a higher cause. Whether you believe that the higher cause is God or the higher cause of the people of Cork or that you're working for a greater good. And that's what the prayer is about. It's to remind us that we're not working for ourselves, we're working for a greater good. And I think you have to be, whether you're Muslim, Jewish, Christian, whatever other religion is out there, Buddhist, they're probably going to offend no ten other religions by not mentioning them. But whether you're that or not, I think you have to be respectful of everybody. Lorna, is, Lorna is, is it the case, ultimately, that you and some other councillors want the, the prayer abolished? Uh, yes, and I put in a motion that, uh, to that effect um, to have a review of all standing orders, actually, that is going to happen in January. Um, that will be done in January. But what about, what, what about say, what, what about maybe the majority of councillors then who would be Catholic and Christian? What about their rights to pray? Well, they have their rights to pray in their own time. Uh, and I, I suppose I'm a little bit confused about what Councillor O'Flynn's issue is now because uh, nobody was yelling or shouting or leaving the room. Like, we sat quietly um, while everybody else got on with what they were doing. So it shouldn't really have disturbed Councillor Finn uh, so quite so much as some people were sitting and some people were standing. I mean, the, the space was still there and the agenda item was still there. And I, I would have to put it to you, Neil, that all of these proceedings are happening in a council chamber that has a crucifix permanently in it. Do you wish to have the, the crucifix removed as well then? No, I, I, I would like that. Actually, yes, I, I would, because I, I don't think that is appropriate, a okay. symbol to have um, in, a, in, a, in a public space, in a civic well, space. What, why not? We should be completely um, and utterly well, symbol-free uh, of all religious icons. Uh, well, yes, because again, going back to that point of the church and the state um, and the separation of those two things, the business of the state shouldn't have any religious symbols in it. Yeah. yeah. So, so could I, could I they, just separate, they, they have prayers, don't they, in, in Dáil Éireann, do they not? And, and I certainly I know... They do indeed, yeah. and I don't agree with that either. Um, and, and very much so in American politics. Everything is dominated by, by prayer, and it would be Christian prayer initially, um, um, and, and very much directed towards God and Jesus. You firmly believe that that shouldn't happen. Do you, do you like, for instance, Lorna, forgive me, I don't mean to be overly personal, but do you celebrate Christmas? Um, 
Um, I, I believe the chief executive has changed the name of Christmas to Corkmas uh, now, uh, and there was no issue with that. Um, but um, it's not—it's not to do with my personal beliefs. It is to do with the type of state that we are in, and the state that the Irish Republic is is a republic. Oh no, I know, I know that, but I mean, I, I know that. You know? But I, and if I had others who were of the same ilk who didn't wish to stand or pray at Aston the same question, is it because you you're not religious and you're entitled not to be? Um. Well, I mean, like I don't think it's very relevant. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Like. But Neil, Neil, where do, where do we where do we stop now? We want to take down crucifixes. We want to say we, there's no need for religion in any sort of civic building. Do we stop wearing a crucifix around our neck because it may offend somebody? Um, would, would would she agree so that the the skull cap, the Jewish skull cap, should be banned and throughout the city and through all civic buildings? That anything to do with Muslims or burqas should be removed as well? They, you know, where do you stop? Because, you know, a lot of people enjoy or like to see a crucifix. They like to see a holy statue. Where do we, st- where do we stop? Catholicism is in decline, Ken, I have to tell you. It fell from 79% in the 2016 census to 69% in 2022, which means that it's destined to fall in at least another 10% in the next one. There's more and more people now in Ireland, over nearly 300,000 people of no religion at all. It's like, a, a, it, the figure now is, no, let me just give a figure. The number of people with no religion increased and it now stands at 736,210 people, 14% of the population. 14, and what about the other the other part of the population? You're talking about 14%. What about the, what about the other 86%? But they're not likely to be all Catholic, though. There would be a lot of different religions. And I, and I would fight tooth and nail for their religion as well to be preserved. But then why wouldn't there no be some pro- moment no of, why wouldn't there be no some pro- moment of prayer no on Lee side for somebody who was Muslim or somebody who had a Hindu religion or belief? And, that, and that's what we did by including the moment of reflection to be encompassing and respectful to everybody's view whether you're atheists or not. Okay, okay. And that's what it's there for. And it's about courtesy, it's about respecting others. It's, about, it's also, there's a, vote, there's a vote of sympathy there, there's a reflection to stand for the vote of sympathy is there as well. And that's why we encompass it into it. And I think it was disappointing. I think it was disingenuous last night. And there's, there's Disingenuous there's in what way? You're down. alleging electioneering, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. There's an avenue to go down. Um, and as the councillor has already said, there's an opportunity in January to change the standing orders by, democ- by a democratic decision. And that's the reality of it. And that can be done if you have the, if you have the support. But here's the, way, here's the way I see that playing out then, Lorna. If there is a vote on it next year, early next year, there will be uh, only maybe six or seven of you will vote against the prayer, vote against the crucifix, you'll be defeated. So it will continue. And those of you, like your good self, will just remain seated, is it? Um, well, my motion actually is to review all of the standing orders because. Oh, no, no, no. Can I just deal with this? Know. But could I just deal with this aspect of the, world, the conversation, the prayer and the crucifix? That it, it would seem that's only is there just six of you? Yes, okay. um, that was the amount that sat. So you know, I, I think sitting down is within standing orders because again, we're not told how precisely to. Behave. Uh, oh, no, I know, but I'm just, I'm just that suggesting that in spite of your own personal beliefs, which you're 100% entitled to, that the prayer will remain in the new year and that the crucifix will remain in the chamber. Well, I, I, don't, I can't presuppose 
what the outcome of that process is going to be. Unless there's a very swinging support towards your belief. Well, um, my my belief is uh, in having a republic and there are not one, not two, but three republican parties um, in the council. But the the proclamation, but the proclamation then would need to be updated in your eyes, wouldn't it? (laughs) The proclamation is not really a document of government. That's a proclamation, a speech that was made, you know, um, like uh, uh, back in 19... No, but I'm asking, should that not be... Well, they they were our founding fathers. It was the start of what then became the Irish state and the proclamation is very much founded in God. Well, that proclamation was of its time, and Ireland back then, I think, was a very Catholic kind of place. But um, I, I think we need to revise things for the time that we are now currently living in. Um, and, you know, I, I think that these things have their historical place. Um, and that is the place of uh, the, the relationship that has existed between the church and the state now, which but, is history, you know. But you wouldn't go so far as to say that the opening line of the proclamation that says Irish men and Irish women in the name of God and of the dead generations, um, that, that opening line, you see, that's confined, is that confined to history now? Well, it is confined to history because, I mean, that's not a document that is part of my day-to-day working life as a councillor, you know. Is the proclamation in... I the proclamation to assist constituents. It's a historical document. True, true. Is it, is it in... Perhaps you should, Lorna. Sorry? Perhaps you should. Perhaps she should. Perhaps she should. Perhaps she should reread Irish history and uh, and see the importance. Uh, and Lorna, you're you're you know as Neil has mentioned, fourteen percent of the of the state, fourteen uh, percent of your constituency believe that they're not they're not uh, they're atheists, so they don't have a religion. But that's fine. You you have to remember that there's eighty six percent that do have a faith of some sort. And we have to be representative of them as well. And I don't appreciate being told that because I have a view, a religious view, that I'm part. But it's of falling, Ken. It's falling. That. It's falling all the time. It's it's, it's under seventy percent now, and it'll fall again. Uh, I'm sure I'm, it might. It might come back stronger. But Neil, the reality is that I have a view as a Christian. I have a belief as a Christian, and I think my view is is, is as important as those that are shouting. Well, then, and then, then, and then pray. The have your prayer in private, in silence. Uh, Bow your head, Neil. Neil, and I do, and I do. But I'm not. I'm not being told what we can't do when there's a democratic decision made. When we've all agreed. When we've all said, this is how we're going to conduct our business, we'll address it again in standing orders and we'll take a vote on it and we'll, we'll, we'll address that. But as long as there's standing orders there, as long as there's an agreement there, as long as there's a democratic decision here to include it, we must respect it. But church and state should not be intertwined. Because Lorna Bogue is absolutely right in that regard, that it has no place in government or politics. None. Are you telling me, there's no bishop standing behind me telling me how to vote? So, you know, get that out of your head. And I don't think as a prayer that tells you that, you know, you're doing this for a better cause than yourself is going to... Is go, is, is but you're indirectly, bad. by saying a prayer, but by indirectly saying a Catholic prayer, you're almost saying that the business of council will follow the doctrine of the Catholic Church. Yeah, it's a Christian prayer, which is which includes a lot of other religions in, the, in, Christi, in Christianity. It's not a Catholic prayer, um, just to clarify that. Um, okay. 
and Neil, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. The majority of the members don't have a problem with it, and there's a way of addressing that, and there's a way of being respectful to it. As okay, well. let me get the thoughts and of the people. Of okay, appreciate that. Thank you, Lorna Bogue, and thank you right. to Kenneth Flynn as well. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Your thoughts, and I'm sure you have them. Are welcome. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Corks Red FM. And by text, tell Kenneth Flynn to stop blowing on about the prayer. There are way more important things to be speaking about in City Hall that they need to sort out, particularly the staff who don't do their jobs properly, especially the housing department who keep ignoring their tenants. Another one shows why things aren't being done in council with real problems when standing or sitting for a prayer can't be sorted out. Their children in a playground, says Anthony. We are still a Catholic country, says Kira. These people would have us on our knees with our arses in the air praying to others. That woman is away with the fairies. Catholic country, many people are saying Lorna Bogue is one of the people who would be happy when Christmas is abolished. Is she? Did she ask the people who voted for her? I doubt it. Fair play to Kenneth Flynn for standing up for Christians. With a bit of luck, we might well have, well, I don't think that's altogether true. Um, I think Lorna Bogue is well entitled to run in the next local elections and be elected again, in spite of what Mal says. I can't believe that this is what debates have been reduced to. Uh, move on with your lives in council. Let the electorate decide uh, for Lorna in the next election. Morning all, a simple solution to all this BS about the prayer is just have a minute's silence to let those who wish to pray to pray and for those who don't wish to pray just to think about whatever else is on their mind good point I like that one but what about the crucifix religion should be a private situation for everyone in a place of work um, as the council is it should not be placed in a place of work anywhere. For a very true point. I mean, would you have, say, for instance, prayer at the start of a work day in work? Would you have a crucifix in work? Would you have, say, for instance, uh, holy statues in the workplace? I suppose to a large extent, council in on a Monday night is a place of work. Anyway, keep those coming. Text 0868104106. That and lots more besides after 10. The number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Another day of uh, shout-outs and phoners for our paddy box hampers going to all around the world. So you still have a day or two left to nominate your loved one who may well be overseas and not home for Christmas for one of our paddybox.com hampers that we will send and they will receive this side of Christmas. So for that you need to email neil at uh, redfm.ie and make sure you include a mobile phone number. Would you please, please say a very happy birthday to Tommy Holmes. He's 92 years old today. His granddaughter Amy and the boys wanted to wish him a happy birthday today. So well done to you, Tommy. Have a great day. Would you please stop being impartial with regards to Ukrainian refugees and their cut to welfare? It's for 90 days and after that they are given full welfare and other benefits, including social housing. Why is the whole subject only on Ukrainians? I'll tell you why. Because they desperately need Ukraine back in the headlines to propagate the phony war headlines, says John. That's an interesting take on it. I'd have to check on that. You're saying that um, uh, for 90 days, it's €38.80. And after 90 days, you have to find your own accommodation, but it bounces back to 220 a week with all of the other welfare benefits, including social housing. But if that were the case... A Ukrainian war refugee would surely be on the same housing list as everybody else. Uh, The RSV virus and the warnings, this was some headlining yesterday with regards to grandparents being told stay away from newborns across Christmas. Did you know there's supposed to be another bad virus in China that they're lying about? 
My guess is that it'll be all kicking off again in January and the vaccines will be shoved down our throats again, says Dan. He's referencing an article in the Mirror from two days ago where they spoke about a mystery wave of pneumonia spreading uh, within China. That's a form of COVID, but top, um, top doctors are saying that it's not a new virus and there's no need to panic just yet. Uh, here we go again with the scare tactics. We left our elderly to die on their own. Now we're starting on the elderly again with the lead into Christmas, trying to kill them with a broken heart, telling them don't go to see your grandkids. What a joke of a country, uh, says Frick. Frick. And there's a lot more then actually with uh, regards to um, the uh, crucifix or indeed the prayer at council. Um, and I'll come back to those texts. You can text 0868104106. we got calls on it as well. Maureen is standing by. First up, John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Surely it's not a place for religion at all. It's a workplace uh, and it is a place to do business and that if you want to pray, do it in a church or do it at home. Yeah, but did we ever ascertain what our affiliation to a, to anything is? Oh, are you mean, referencing you Lorna Bogue, the elected councillor? Yeah. Yeah, the girl that brought the motion. You, you can't be anti-everything without having an affiliation to something. No, she's been very specific about what she says. It is not a place for religion and that there should be no connection between uh, church and state. Very, well, very my fair advice to her, so she, she should stay out of it, so. Why? Let somebody else do the job. Well, she's not happy, though. But not everybody is either Christian or Catholic. Ah, yeah, but hold on a while now. We may not be a fully Catholic country anymore, but there's an awful lot of Christians still in the country, like, and, you know? But what, okay, what, what, so if you accept what, that there should be some sort of time given to reflection, surely it should be silent, that it shouldn't be um, a prayer that references Jesus Christ. Yeah, but you listen, uh, you know, Emirates planes. Who? You know, Emirates Airlines. Yeah, I do. Muslims have a church on that plane, and that's a workplace. On the plane? Yeah, would you have a problem with that? That I didn't know that. I'm, I'm taking you as fact. Is that true? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You can, you can, you can check it out. Uh, because you know? the but well, anyway, the call to prayer anyway for Muslims would be like three, four, five times a day. They probably that, would need a place on a plane. Well, that's on, well, that's that's not on on internal that that would be on long flight hard, uh, long hard. All right, but you, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. They, they 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 pray yeah. at very specific times right across the day. But but anyway, that, that, you know. That, but 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 who's done what to her to say that she's so anti-Christian? Not not a place where um, you know church and state should be connected in any way, shape, or form. I know that's that's ridiculous. That that was the way before she turned up, and hopefully the people that voted for uh, will have some uh, bit of Christian left in them. But other than that, we may as well take down the tricolor and put up a white flag and say, "Like here we go, lads." You know, make up your mind on the day. You know, yeah, and yeah. and and, and we we'll, and we we'll, and we we'll fly with that. The number in the Does census mean, with regards to marking the box as Roman Catholic continues to decline. Yeah, but yeah, but like that's that's down to people whether they want to tick the box or not. I'll give a true answer. But like we're back to the same old thing. I've had conversations with with atheists who are more interested in God to find out about him. They shouldn't bother him at all. I mean, she's anti-Christian, yet she's worried about something that. Uh, but she may know. She, uh, she may not be. Something. She may not be actually anti-Christian. She never actually addressed that aspect. I did ask. Yeah, but so but it's but just that there, it isn't. No, it's just that it isn't. That, that, there's no place for it in council business. I mean, it's like it's a workplace. You know, they're there. They're paid to be there. They're working. 
and maybe we might be a little bit better off in the country and, and there might be a little bit more humanity shown if there was a prayer said in, in a lot of places. I'm hearing of, I'm hearing of yes. mangers actually not being put in, in churches. Do you find that bizarre? Say that again to me? Mangers, a manger. You, you would have in a church. So somebody yeah. in West Cork said that they weren't putting one into the church in West Cork. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, sure that's that's the church uh, probably uh, bending over backwards to pacify uh, some people. To put it there, it, it's always been there. It's part of who we are. Um, so, so if, like, if, I mean, if you somebody... don't you don't you 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 don't have to be a fully fledged uh, Catholic after everything that the Catholic Church got up there. That's understandable. But uh, we're still we're still Christians. Oh, okay, so for say in 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 council, I mean in America, it's interesting text here. All U.S. currency has "In God We Trust" on in it. In God We Trust, and that is part That's of correct. the Constitution in America. It will never change. You don't hear anyone complaining about it in America. Why are we? But those that do complain about it and say there is a prayer and people have to stand for it, what should the people who don't want to pray or stand do? Stay outside the door until it's over and then come in. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you for that. Is that, and, for and, that and, if the, and, and if the rest of the council members aren't strong enough to stand up to this on behalf of the Christian community in Ireland, they should pack their bags and we'll get somebody to do a job that will. Okay. Let me talk to Maureen if you don't mind. I think it was Maureen originally got in touch with him regarding a manger in a church. Let me find out what the true story is behind this. Maureen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, what's going on? Is there a West Cork church that has opted out of putting in a crib? Yes, it's the Church of the Immaculate Conception in Clannacilty. Now, Neil, we've had a manger in that church since I can remember. Well, yeah. hang, on, hang on a second now. I know, I know, let me just say, I know absolutely nothing about anything else that was going on down there. I just want to right, know. Right, I'll yeah. explain it. Yeah, yeah. I'll explain it, what happened. So I asked why the manger wasn't up, and he had said, oh, because the people will be congregating around the manger. Now, the manger is inside the altar rails at St. Joseph's altar. So they didn't have it. So they didn't have it uh, 20 last year. And I asked one of the priests, I said, where is the manger? Because what they do is they put the statue of Our Lady, St. Joseph and baby Jesus, in front of the altar. And I grabbed one of the priests and I said, where is the manger? He said, it's there. I said, no, 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 no. I said, the, the manger, the symbol of Christmas, Father. The stable. The animals. Were yeah, yeah, born. we know. And the straw and, and the silver, animals. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the three wise men and all that goes with it, yeah. And Yeah. So, again, this year, I was after them. And I was getting different conflicting stories from two priests. Now, another lad that I know very well also asked for the manger. I met him on Sunday and I said, um, did you hear? I said, Is, are we getting the manger back? And he said, I'm sorry to tell you, he said, because I've asked to. No. Okay. And wh- we're what's also this? not having Bambino Sunday. We're also not, he told me, having a carol service, but we have a Christmas tree. Right. What's, what is a Bambino? What is a Bambino Sunday? What's that? Bambino Sunday was started by Pope Francis. It's right. It's um, because I I used to do it. You'd bring your figurines from your own crib at home, right? And you'd bring them to mass, and the priest the priest would bless the figures. Right. Yeah, that's nice. That was Bambino Sunday. That okay. was lovely. Yeah. That's all gone. It's for the holy souls. The month of November. We used to have kind of a little tree and it would stand on the the altar rails. And people, you know, the little tags, people would write the names of their loved ones. And they'd hang them on I've the I've often seen tree. those in churches, yeah. 
that was gone here for the month of the Holy Souls. I am absolutely disgusted and I've had it out and I've emailed Tintin Gavin. I've also emailed Eamon Martin. And but they are not budging. That's the Irish There's no confessional boxes being used either, Neil. Why? The confession confession now, I'll tell you why. Confession now is behind the altar rails, chair to chair. And I asked, because I went to confession last Saturday, and I asked the priest, I said, why aren't you using the confessional? Oh, well, because people weren't too close to proximity. But sure, he's got his ear up to mine and mine up to his. People weren't... So the what was the, what was the reason given for not using the confession boxes? Because it, the people weren't too close to proximity. They weren't close enough, is it? No, they were too close. Oh, they were too close. But, but, you, but you have got a grill. He's got he's in his seat and I'm in my seat and there's a grill. But yet they're behind the con, they're behind the altar rails, ear to ear. In public. Yes. With other that's, people. That's, confession is anonymous. What, what, is wait, it, so there be other yes, people watching you confessing your sins. Yes. Yes. That's, that's bizarre. I know. But this is what I'm trying to highlight. But what was the reason given for no crib? They gave no reason for the crib, Neil. That's the problem. They're just running with the statues. They have not given anybody a reason for putting up, not putting up the crib. That crib is in storage. It's only ready to be put together. It's not as if somebody had to build it or they couldn't find a carpenter or something. No, 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 no. It's been there for years. It's been there for as long as I can remember. It's It's all in storage. All they do is the workmen, they just come in and they fit it together and they leave it there and then come into Christmas... It's empty, of course, and then Christmas Eve, the figures are put in the crib, and the children just love it and with the straw. And I remember I take some home some straw. Me too. And the children would like to take a little bit of straw home from the manger. Me too. For years, it's we've been taking a small shopping. bit of straw and we put it into our own crib. It's bursting now with straw because yeah. we've been taking yeah. it for years. Yeah, we were. I was the same, and my grandchildren loved it as well. Yeah, yeah. Because one would think and that one would think that having a crib in a Catholic church wouldn't offend anybody because anybody in there will be Catholic, right? Of course not. That's the symbol of Christmas. I mean, what's going to be next? Remove the cross for Easter. Right. Okay. So no, no manger. Confession box no is closed. Uh, yeah. No, no solemn respect of no carol service. Souls. I was told. And why isn't there? Why no aren't they singing Christmas either? carols? Why is that? I. They're giving no reason. But they had a concert there on Sunday. Tommy Fleming, they're raising money to put in LED lights. The beautiful varnish on the doors, Neil. They stripped the varnish on the outside of the doors, beautiful varnish, and they painted them a dirty, rotten grey, which now the paint is bubbling. All right, that could be a primer. That could be a primer, though. It mightn't be the end. It's not. No, it's not a primer. It's not. All right. It's the colour they wanted it. Why why then don't you you move to another church where they do have a manger and they do have Christmas? I I can't. This is the only church that's near me that I can actually... Get to mass, but I I was fighting for the manger, and I was I was on about I was. And are other people down really, around Clonakilty upset about this? Well, I asked a few, and some people were. But the problem is that nobody will come and speak to them because I think they're too afraid to speak to priests. They think priests are uh, kind of high up that you can't say anything to them. But I will. And you say that it's shameful no that Almighty God is being tri- treated like a, a pariah. You say. Yes, it is. He is. Yes. <laughs> 
Would you mind it's if we, shocking. Yeah, okay. Do you mind if we give the, the, the church a call, see what the reasoning behind it is? You can, yeah. And see what some see what see what sub story they'll give. Okay. Because right. they're they're not giving anybody any correct answer why they don't want the manger. Okay, let me check it out. I'll come back to you. Must advise for now. Text O eight six eight one oh four one oh six back after the break. Cork's biggest conversation is here. The Neil Brenderville show is on Cork's Red FM. Started this morning as to whether there should or shouldn't be a prayer before council business, whether there should or shouldn't be a crucifix fix in the council chambers and then get on to a church with regards to uh, whether or not there should or shouldn't be a crib and a West Cork church that doesn't have the crib not to mention uh, closing the confessional boxes and, and things like that. I would think that confession should be a very private thing, shouldn't it? That's the reason why there were confessional boxes in the first place. It was tough enough trying to get people into the confessional box in the first place, wasn't it? But then I remember actually we talked to James. James, good morning. Wasn't, wasn't there some grief in Dublin about a live crib? Wasn't there at one stage? Is yeah. it a mansion house or something? What was that? Yes, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Right. Uh, there was last year a member of the Green Party. She was the Lord Mayor last year, I think. And uh, she took out the live crib out of the mansion house. And there was a lot of unrest about it among the Dublin people. It was the first time it ever happened. And the reason being, she said, like, we don't have, uh, uh, you know, we have other people in the country now and people from the Islamic faith and Hindus and they don't celebrate Christmas so we must be conscious that we wouldn't offend them mm, mm, so mm. thanks for the I wonder, I wonder okay. would our traditions be as respected in other countries than the way we seem to wish to respect others here uh, but I was, I was delighted the other night to look at RT News and it looked like a very young uh, Lord Mayor, new Lord Mayor is, I, I don't know what party he's with or whether he's independent, he's, he's very young looking and uh, Irish, he had an Irish name, and I can't Dahi remember the name. Dahi de is his name. Dahi de Yes, that is. Yeah. Well, he has brought it back. He has brought it back. I was delighted to see it. It's back now in full swing with the donkeys and the live animals. Kids are loving it. They're queuing up to see it. And he said, it would, that's what the way it should be. And is there, anybody offended, is there anybody offended by its reappearance? No, no. I don't see anyone offended. I don't hear anyone offended by it. And I'm surprised that you, you imagine a younger man now, and he looked very young, uh, wouldn't be religious at all. But no, he said uh, the majority of the people in the country are Christians, and that's the way we should uh, go, and, and it should be retained. And that is right. Uh, nearly even in the census you mentioned there, there are still over 70%, I think, who say they uh, associate themselves with the Catholic Church. So that's the majority, Neil. Yeah, Dahi de Roche is an Irish Fianna Fáil politician who's been the Lord Mayor of Dublin since June of this year. Uh, that's the man oh, you were referring, I, referring I, I, to. I didn't, I didn't know that, no. I didn't know what party he was. So he's, he's, 20, he's, 30, he's 36 years old. Yes, he looks very young, all right. But, yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, Maureen is right. Uh, she's right there. We 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 have to. Uh, I, I'm, I'm. I would have thought that the Cork City Council could do with all the prayers they could get, Neil. Particularly that chief executive we have. You know, all the help they could get with all the some of the decisions they make sometimes are not the best. You know. But and, but, uh, but are you suggesting that council business and council decisions should be based and guided by Jesus Christ? No, it's just that what you should do is that you show respect if you're a non-believer, for the councillors who have a belief. It's just, it's a, you know, and they can in turn do something for you. That's what, that's what, how things work, Neil, in a proper way. If we are going to eventually have a United Ireland, which a lot of people would like to see, there's going to have to be a lot of biting of lips and a lot of uh, swallowing of the pride and, and compromise about flags, yeah. about 
a national anthem if we want to integrate the, the unionist community. But how do we integrate people who come into Ireland to work and live in rare families who aren't Christian then? Is it a case that I would respectfully suggest that they must respect our beliefs, our traditions and our culture first? Yes, of course. Right. That, that, that's, that's only fair, Neil. And uh, we must respect their their beliefs as well, of course, and they yeah. must be allowed to practice. And that's how you have integration. But what Lorna Bogue is talking about is segregation. She's separating, you know. Mm. I thought the buzzword is integration. We want people to be together. And what do you and, make uh, of the what do you make of the church down west that apparently has no crib? Well, that's, I'm very disappointed to hear that. I must say, I, I'm surprised. Uh, and Maureen, I, I've heard Maureen with you before. Yeah. She's a devout, devout Catholic, and I can see how it is upsetting her. And uh, you would, and normally you'd expect rural Ireland, especially, you know, to be um, stronger even in the city regarding tradition. So she seemed to imply that the church felt that people would congregate around us. But sure, isn't that what it's there for, to congregate and to admire it and spend some time looking at it? And I think, you know, generally speaking, Neil, uh, I know people have their issues with the past of the Catholic Church, but this lack of religion among the young people, it's not doing them good, Neil. They're looking for other things too, like drugs, and you're talking about drugs a lot in the last couple of days. And, uh, you know, a bit, uh, when people are taking drugs, they're a bit lost, Neil. They're looking around for something. And Okay, okay. All right. Let's get some more thoughts on it. Appreciate Thank that. You, as always, much obliged. Text 0868 um, I see an interesting text coming in there with regards to uh, one of the airlines. Did I see something that comes up on the screen behind the seat in the airlines? I think it's disappeared off the screen now. I just want to get the actual airline correct. Uh, was it Emirates? Um, was that what you, you had it there a second ago that a prayer comes up? You know the little screen that Sorry. you watch, watch the movies on on the airline? Busy morning. What airline um, is that? Yeah, it's actually Saudi. Saudi Airlines. They do a call to prayer. Um, I just want to find that video because it's interesting, actually, the way it's worded at the beginning, um, even before it, it comes up on the screen. It says, "Dear guests, the text you are about to hear is a supplication which Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, used to pray upon travelling." So that is everybody before on it takes the off. Yeah. So if you get on a Saudi flight, you see that regardless of what okay. your religion is, okay. it's not. It, you know, I don't you, think that any person who's not Muslim would be offended by no, that. No, I don't think anybody, but in a, equally I don't think anybody in council should necessarily be offended by the fact that we have a, a Catholic prayer in, what's, in a country that's majority Catholic. Like You have to accept it's, the fact that It is, but given another couple of censuses. Yeah, but I, we still are over two-thirds percent, so you know, I mean, I, I would I would, I would, would take the point. I, I mean, I can understand Lorna's point, but I would say that in lots of other countries like in India, when it comes to Hinduism, or in, in, in like for Saudi, for example, when it comes to um, Islam, that is the majority religion, and therefore the state kind of stuff that's done there. Endorses done, it. Endorses okay. the, for the majority. Okay, Paddy, good morning. Morning. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, oh, yeah, the... Uh, the I, don't, I don't know which uh, two councillors now it was you had. Uh, I can't remember. Ken O'Flynn and Lorna Bogue. Yeah. Great, yeah, Lorna Bogue. I'm, I'm trying to agree with Lorna there. Since, uh, the way I look at it is, is uh, what they're there to do. You know, what they're there for. They're, they're councillors elected to do a job. Uh, that that there, but that the business of council would be guided That's, by God or by Jesus. Uh, yeah, but uh, the business of council, the business of local democracy, and the provision of local democracy has nothing to do with your beliefs and your gods. I mean, um, 
Is it outdated? So is it? It's just not fit for purpose well, anymore. It is outdated. Everybody knows. I mean, anybody can see that it is outdated. And uh, but it, no, it come to me because they're there on taxpayers' time to do a job, not to, not to say prayers to the, the different gods they believe in. So to me, you know, it's a very simple issue. There's nothing at all to do with the job they're supposed to be doing there. So they shouldn't be doing it there. Yeah. If they want to go praying, they can do that in their own time. Yeah, but it's not anything that's exclusive to it's not anything that's exclusive to say political business in Cork City Council. I'm sure other councils around the country do the same. I know that the Senate and the House of Representatives in America certainly does. Uh, the presidents, any time they give speeches in public, all reference God all of the time. Yeah, that's the states. But over here we do it as well. You know, we do every every meeting started with religious prayer and things like that. And I, my my question is, how how much how much time is wasted on? Uh, I'd say wasted, and I'd use the word wasted. Wasted on people praying to the... 30 seconds. As I said, to their different beliefs. 30 yeah. seconds, yeah, okay, 30 seconds. Is that yeah. not, it's only 30 yeah, seconds. Fine. But now we have a debate here in Cork, OK? How much time is going to be spent on this debate, whether there should be... Whether there should... Oh, no, but I'm, I just want people... I just want to alert people that it could... No, now. hang on a second. I just want to alert people that sometime soon... That is not an issue, you know? I'm trying to okay, alert people that sometime soon, in the future, I don't know when, we will arrive at a stage where the crucifix will be taken out of council chambers. And I'm wondering how people uh, feel about that. Yeah, well, uh, ask the people, you know, see whether you have the crucifix is there. Let's say it's paid for that too, you know? But I mean, crucifix. There's crucifixes in churches and mosques or whatever they are, and all the different places we worship and the whole lot. Go there. Okay. Okay. Uh, not on council town. Not on. Not on my time. Well. Appreciate that. I think the line dropped. But thank you, Paddy. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. Talking earlier on about Christmas and the rush into Christmas and the huge amounts of money that's spent on Christmas Eve, uh, particularly by men racing around between midday and one o'clock in the day, uh, leaving it far too late. It prompted a text from somebody working in retail. Um, I don't know whether it's he or she. Uh, I've worked in retail for 20 years and I think I can have a very balanced view on things. In general, we're finding customers are great, but a higher percentage have gotten ruder and more impatient just because we stand behind a counter they feel like they can say or do anything and I mean anything I've seen staff attacked and verbally abused about their looks about their weight about their acne about their accents over the smallest of issues more and more people are living in a microwave society now um, my interpretation of a microwave society is people wanting results and wanting them now with as little effort as possible so people are living in a microwave society they have no patience or empathy Christmas is the best time to work in retail uh, so the earlier it starts for us and the better in spite I suppose of the rude people who verbally abuse and attack people why would anybody give a damn about other people's looks or weights or accents it's no one's business but there you have it nonetheless people are so stressed out talking about being stressed out I got a lovely very short email in from a butcher recently who said I had a woman bring in a picture of a turkey she cooked for Christmas dinner she said her dinner was ruined because I gave her a turkey with no breasts on it she said it was all bone she said she had to throw it out and they could only eat the ham. I have to tell you, Neil, it takes a special kind of someone to open and cook a turkey upside down. 
and then throw it out. I can tell you one thing. It's never happened to me or anyone that I know of, but I do know of people who have done just that. Cooked the turkey upside down and couldn't understand why there was no meat on it. it it's not the easiest thing in the world to know the upside or the downside to a turkey, is it? I mean, otherwise people wouldn't make that mistake. But I can't help think that a perfectly good, perfectly cooked turkey got thrown out. Never a bite nor a morsel taken from it. And the delicious turkey breasts were wasted because she cooked it upside down. It's the kind of gag you'd expect Frank Toomey to do when he was um, uh, doing his thing. We did find some audio and, of course, Frank Toomey passed away early yesterday morning. Some of his best work. He did lots of different television work and loads of theatre and panto and what have you. But he teamed up with Pacquiao Callahan, who was on air with me yesterday morning, paying tribute to his late pal uh, and his late partner in crime when it came to theatrics and comedy and we did manage to track down some lovely pieces of audio of the two of them Frankie sorry Frank and Packy in full flight Noreen what Noreen look what I'm going to say no girl I mean I'm, I'm saying as a friend I'm looking at you walking across the floor and Noreen what as a friend I have to say you have to leave yourself go, girl. <laughs> You're after leaving yourself go very bad. I'm after seeing you walking across there. I'm not a bit surprised John is after losing all the interest in the hooky ha. And then your Noreen. I mean, in fairness, no. You're doing yourself no favours there because, I mean, take one look at your ensemble. <laughs> Me why? <laughs> your ensemble, your threads, your regouts. What's wrong with this? It's my Finbar said you're like something out of Guyanese window. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mean to be hurtful. I don't. I mean, really. But look, look. I mean, get with the program, girl. Snap out of it. Look at me. There you go. I mean, you don't think that a fabulous outfit like this came together by accident and by itself? You are what you wear, you get out what you put in. Colour me beautiful. Noreen, at the end, call it what you like. At the end of the day, we're talking about keeping your man happy. Ooh. <laughs> Everything you tells me, I gives it a lash. Try it downstairs, you goes, and I broke me good nest of tables over you. <laughs> Oh, the late, great Frank Toomey uh, working with Packy O'Callaghan in full flight. If I can track down some more clips, I will. The two fashionistas on stage uh, warming the hearts. Uh, he's a great guy and it's an awful shame that he's passed. The great Frank Toomey. Text 0868 And um, We're talking about matters above the water there in council chambers and of a religious nature. But I did mention a little earlier on this morning of things that were happening under uh, the water. As a story in the front of the examiner this morning. Uh, it's oh so bizarre when you look at our Navy and uh, the amount of Navy ships that we have that aren't being used, that they're in dry dock or they're just parked down at the naval base because they can't put crew on them. We all know of that. And yet you wonder what's going on under the water. Shona Reardon in the Examiner this morning says that there was a Russian sub chased from Cork Harbour, not by the Irish Navy, but by the British Navy. Now, I believe it was just slightly outside the 12-mile limit. If it had come inside the 12-mile limit, my understanding of this, that they would have broken international laws. But you've got to wonder first, what are they doing there? What's under the water around our course coast and what do they get up to? It's like an episode from that fantastic television docudrama Das Boot. 
Does anybody watch it? It's a super show. Um, but anyway, that person who might well know is the retired Naval Commander Eugene Ryan, who joins me by phone. Eugene, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? What's the, what, what this is this like almost stuff of espionage? What, what's the story behind all of this and the involvement of the British Navy then? Well, in the last 30 years, people should realise that subsurface activity has increased exponentially with the advent of uh, fibre optic cables coming from the United States across to Europe, carrying all internet and all that sort of thing. Um, also, uh, with the gas gas uh, underneath the, uh, the at, on the seabed, uh, gas uh, pipes that go right up the east coast. And also, now that we're getting uh, wind farms along the east coast, etc., they're going to be connected to the land as well. So that'll all be subsurface. The, the Air Corps need a primary radar to look at what's happening in the skies. We in the Navy have a surface capability looking through a thing called AIS, Automatic Identification System, and VMS, Vessel Monitoring System. So we have the surface domain, if you like, covered. However, subsurface, we can see nothing, right. absolutely nothing. Right. And there's the problem with all the activity on the seabed and how much it means to the economy, not only of this country, but of Europe, passing south of our coast in 60 to 150 metres of water. Why, why so, are they, why, so it, is it significant that they're so close? Is that an issue? Or are they just passing by? Well, submarines, I mean, the, the activity has increased off the west coast of Ireland, particularly with um, NATO, French and English, uh, Royal Navy, particularly uh, frigates that are that anti-submarine, uh, they're doing anti-submarine work. The Russians have increased their activity, certainly off the coast of, of the west coast of Europe. Um, they, they're they looking at what cables we are, where, where the lay of the cables, the lay of the gas pipelines, etc. They're mapping all, all these right, things out. I I understand. I see what they're doing. Now, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, yes. See, so this is. I'm not saying they're going to use it as a new type of warfare, but they're they're, they're increasing their capability to do it. That's why the Royal Navy. Are, are, are you saying that United. a lot of those cables they could potentially knock them out and damage European connections of communication or electricity or fiber optics and, and things like that? Almost like a like tech, absolutely tech, like tech warfare. Absolutely, 100%. That's in right. fact, that's the one thing that I would be concerned. If I was in my old job, that would be something that I would be very concerned about. Okay. So and what, we don't happened, have any then? what happened then when, when apparently it was the British Navy chased them off, is it? Well, you see, you've got to understand there are submarines outside our territorial waters uh, constantly operating, and particularly Russian. They've been there for years. They're not doing anything wrong, provided they don't interfere with anything that's on the subsurf on on the seabed. So the Royal Navy, particularly because the the Russian submarines are monitoring the Saint George's Channel, which leads into the English Channel. So of course, the Royal Navy, which is based in Plymouth and in Portsmouth, particularly, they're going to keep an eye on them. So they're keeping an eye on them, not only for Ireland, they're keeping an eye on them for Europe, because it's the Western approaches to Europe. That's why they're there. It's not so much a threat to Ireland. It's a threat to, to Europe, as far as I would be, I, okay. I would be concerned. Yeah, I think everyone understands what they're, what they're doing there. What would, have, what would happen if they came inside our 12-mile limit? 
To come inside the 12 mile uh, territorial waters of a state, you need permission of that state. So our Department of Foreign Affairs would have to give the Russian uh, uh, Russia permission to come inside our 12 mile limit. If they did come in without permission, they're breaking international law. What would the Irish Navy do if that were to happen? Well, we'd have to know they're there first. And we don't and because we don't we... have sonar. No, we have no sonar in our Navy. What we do have is a side scan sonar and multi-beam depth uh, depth, uh, sounders, uh, which basically are used for mapping the surface or looking for wrecks, say fishing vessels or merchant ships that may have sunk. uh, We would be able to map map the seabed, certainly. But they're not there for anti-submarine work. They're there for mapping purposes only. And we they're towed arrays. In other words, they're towed astern of the ship. Um, so we don't have any anti-submarine re, um, sonars at all in okay. our Navy. And that's a major issue. So is it your understanding then, according to the examiner this morning, that uh, a helicopter, which would be probably a British Navy helicopter, swooped yes. in um, and after that it was followed by a British Navy anti-submarine frigate that arrived as well, is it? Yeah, well, the helicopter would probably be part of that frigate's, um, um, you know, equipment. So she would take off. And what they do um, routinely is they drop sonar boys in the sea. And these boys go down to a certain depth and they, in other words, ping to try and see if there's anything down there. And obviously they picked something up, reported it back to the ship, and the ship came to the position. And then once the helicopter helicopter took her sonar boys back up, landed on the ship, and then the ship gave chase using their sonar. Right. That would be the norm. Right, okay, okay. Um, are you, you, you talk about what's under our water. Do you recall yes. the two, 2015 incident? I'm sure there were more of them. It was the fishing trawler, the Karen. Do you, do you recall that? It was, it was dragged backwards for, um, I don't know. Oh, yes. For like, like it was snagged in, the, the, the nets were snagged in a sub apparently. Yes, that was in the Irish Seas, if, if my memory serves me right. But I think it was later than 2015. Uh, it was dragged backwards for quite a long period of time. That that, that happens, unfortunately. And that, that wasn't a Russian submarine. Uh, I think that was a Royal Navy it submarine. It was a which Royal Navy submarine, yeah. yeah yes, yeah. and, and the, they, they held their hands up eventually. Yeah, but it could have potentially dragged it under the water and drowned all of the crew, couldn't it? Oh, very much so. Absolutely. I mean, if if, if you're snagged in, in, a, in a big submarine going at uh, 15, 20 knots under the water, those things are very powerful, hugely powerful. And they, they would drag you down, no problem whatsoever. It's happened in the RSC a couple of times, actually. The same kind of thing, like trawlers being dragged yes. backwards with their nets? Yes. I think there were one or two uh, fishing vessels out of Skerries and maybe one or two out of Hoth. Uh and it, it it happened a number of years ago, I think pre-2000, in fact, as well. So it it is a, you see, these vessels, when they're in uh, sort of traffic zones, they're supposed to surface and travel on the surface so you, they can be seen. But these were obviously on some sort of mission and they were under the water. And of course, the fishing vessel didn't know they were there. So in the event of and any Eskia and, 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 and it got snagged and whatever. So just finally, in the event of anything kicking off between Russia and the rest of the world, the submarines mm. are mapping what's down there to potentially use it as a war tool to cut us off from the rest of the world. And we wouldn't even know that they've been planning any of this. 
Well, we know, we know they're planning it <laughs> because they've been planning it for a while. They've been off the the southwest coast of Ireland with these uh, surface ships that, that, that are there as a, as a lookout for them uh, and they're under the water. They have them mapped already. I have no doubt about that. They know where everything is. They know where the gas interconnectors are, which are hugely important, particularly if they go up the east coast of Ireland, for instance, you take out one of these gas pipelines, Dublin will be in darkness or without natural gas. And trying to fix those is a huge job. But, You're working down at 60 to 100 metres in water. But yet, no, water. but yet no international laws are actually broken, should they not? Well, if you, da- if you damage pipelines like this deliberately, you're breaking uh, every yeah, rule in the book. If you're just mapping them, you know, for maybe. Oh, if you're mapping, reference. there's no pro- No, there's 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 no. You're not breaking any laws, provided you're outside the territorial waters of the state, which is out to twelve miles. Those are our sovereign waters. Uh, beyond that, then we have responsibility to your for the European Union, uh, two hundred mile zone. Yeah, but yeah. the twelve miles are our sovereign waters. We have absolute powers out to twelve miles. Doesn't sit very well though that we can't see beneath the water. That our own navy hasn't got that technical capability, does it? Well, it's time we do now. We get to get we we get our get uh, get our our our, our ducks in a row in this one because. As I said, the subsea um, uh, activity has increased exponentially and it's going to increase more. There'll be a lot of stuff coming ashore in electricity, gas, cables that we need to be able to protect, particularly inside 12 miles. Okay, amazing story. Thanks for the update on it, as always. Retired Naval Commander Eugene Ryan, you have a good day. Happy Christmas to you. Text 0868104106. Lots of other texts then coming in from conversations earlier on this morning, particularly uh, of a religious aspect, understandably. We'll come back after that. The number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Uh, And by text from earlier this morning, sounds like to me that councillors who don't want the prayer nor the cruise crucifix don't know what they want uh, they stood for years and now won't stand anymore all the talk about prayers and the residents of holly hill uh, have half a ro- foot of raw sewage in their gardens it's ongoing since we last spoke about it in july neil and the council has the nerve to be on the radio talking about prayers uh, fair play to yourself and lorna bogue uh, she sounds progressive and forward thinking uh, ken is living in the dark ages we also uh, we always have to review how we do things religion will soon be confined to history in about another 30 years, and rightfully so. Uh, listening to this, I have to say that I'm in agreement with Ken O'Flynn. Lorna is only jumping on this in an attempt to stay relevant. Uh, just in relation to the religion and prayer, I don't see what the problem is. I'm not religious per se, but I would never tell someone else whether they can pray or not. At the end of the day, people should be able to believe in whatever they want to. I, I think it's more of a consequence, actually, that you don't have a crib inside in a Catholic church in, in West Cork. I think that's probably a bigger issue, isn't it? What harm is the prayer doing? Catholics are part of the Irish culture. And remember, we are in Ireland. What more can we have to give up to please others? Lorna is playing her cards close to her chest. Uh, I can guarantee you if there was a reason to stand for something to do with LGBTQ+, uh, many of our councillors, including Lorna Bogue, would have no problem standing for that. Um, why now is there an issue... And is it because of religion? What are people's beliefs? Uh, beliefs? Lorna Bogue should stay out of the room until the prayer is over and then go in and get on with your job and help your constituents. Um, one or two more. People are so petty. It's a small prayer. Get over it. I wonder would Lorna Bogue stand for another country's national anthem purely out of respect for others? 
uh, one or two more. Can't come on here. I don't want my name mentioned, but there's no crib in Buin Church either. No crib, crib, crib in Buin. Uh, I thought it might be put up after the 8th. There's no sign of it yet. I think the crib is lovely for children to look at. I can't understand why it's not put up. It is, after all, part of religion and our Christmas tradition. So, that's more than one church uh, without a crib this Christmas. Uh, That every word and works of ours may always begin from thee is a quote from the council prayer. Uh, Either the councillors reciting that are lying or they're admitting that the council is not a secular body church and state should be separate simple as there are more pressing issues for the people of Cork and there's many more like that Um, many people suggesting that this shouldn't surprise us because we didn't have a switch on or at least an official family orientated switch on for the Christmas lights so this shouldn't surprise us either I'll come back to those throughout the uh, course of the morning Uh, do get in touch though text 0868104106 thank you um, thank you so much to anybody who's been getting in touch recently with regards to the state of the bus service on Leaside and I know the traffic is an absolute nightmare and it must be hell uh, for bus drivers to get to from A to B Uh, we don't have enough buses as it is the roads are fairly chock-a-block and it must be impossible for them to um, you know arrive at bus stops um, on schedule Um, and I just acknowledge one or two here that I have in front of me Um, I know you highlighted some of this in the past but on many occasions recently uh, I've gotten the bus to town with my 10 year old son uh, say buses going on a Sunday are just cancelled and then at night um, we're waiting an hour and a half for the 215 outside Brom Thomas no sign of buses I'm actually sitting here writing this at 20 to 9 in the cold after standing here at Brown Thomas since 8pm uh, all other buses have passed numerous times um, the 215 is a probable no-show I would take a cab home but that would cost me 30 euro it's something I don't have our whole weekend is ruined by buses. Um, I'm presuming uh, when you read this out, you've got plenty of responses. And if the so-called bus company reach out, they'll blame traffic or the floods or any other issues like that. I mentioned that actually because uh, I was reading in Cork Bio at the weekend that apparently bus errand are telling drivers in Cork on some of the bu- busiest city routes to skip bus stops, drive past waiting passengers if they're running behind schedule. It's a pretty extraordinary thing to... Um, um, to encourage bus drivers to do. They're called ghost buses. Oh no, ghost buses are ones that never show up at all. Right? And bus errand are blaming congestion and cork drivers illegally parking in bus lanes and bus stops. So you have ghost buses that never show up and then you have others that are told to drive past stops if you're running late. And this would be drive past people queuing at a bus stop even if your bus isn't full to try and get back on schedule. Corkbio said that they understand that the vast majority of bus drivers in the city are deeply unhappy with the practice of skipping bus stops and don't want to be leaving passengers on the side of the road. Uh, Drivers regularly telling passengers to disembark and to change buses because the bus that the driver is on then can go back to the beginning of the route to reset and get back on schedule. I mean, it sounds... It sounds nonsensical, doesn't it? Uh, But I did get quite a lot of emails on this matter, including one that said, I had an experience yesterday with bus air and I'm still in shock from it. I'd love the chance to bring it to your attention. Uh, You're somebody that gets things done. I found the complaining to bus air and did absolutely nothing. So this has nothing to do with drivers driving past the bus stops, right? Um, Or buses never showing up. This is 
an experience on board a bus here and bus. Um, I had a similar bad experience with bus here about a year and a half ago and I complained and the response I got was basically copy and pasted um, from the last complaint I made. But anyway, I live in the county and trying to get into the city. I won't get into the details of the back and forth regards to buses and times like that, but he said that um, yesterday was one of the days where the first bus showed up late and the second bus is already gone. Uh, this happens a lot. Asking the driver to ring the other driver will mean they'll come back to collect people. So none of that is kind of relevant and it doesn't really make a lot of sense anyway. But um, there was a conversation between um, the uh, passenger and the bus driver. Um, with that being said, I asked the driver... Um, to um, uh, make some kind of a call um, to the bus that passed or what have you. And he called me a lazy C for not wanting to wait for the next bus. He called me a chancer and he called me an effing idiot. I mentioned that there were elderly people left to wait in the cold and he said, I couldn't give an F. I asked him for his name and he said, I don't need to give you that either. You're not an effing guard. He then proceeded to close the door on me, hitting me in the arm. Again, I'm late for work. I can deal with that. But the elderly people waiting was what really upset me and gave me the push to send a complaint to Boss Aaron. I got that basic response of, sorry, we'll speak to the individual concerned. If you could bring this to people's attention, I'm sure I wouldn't be the only person of a story like this. And even if you don't cover the story, I appreciate you allowing me to have this rant. Um, surely this isn't the kind of service you'd be getting used to. Um, or th- surely this isn't the kind of service we should be getting uh, with regards to bus there and I've had fantastic experiences uh, I'd be genuinely lost without them and the vast majority of dark drivers are salt of the earth lovely people but this particular driver leaves a lot to be desired uh, I pass that on for what it's worth I'm quite sure I won't get an awful lot of texts or emails from people saying that they've come across abusive um, drivers who use a lot of foul language but that emailer is suggesting that it did happen to them. Text 0868 I suppose we were talking about today about buses that don't arrive or ghost buses or buses that just pass by. Uh, but bear in mind, uh, traffic is absolutely cat at this time of the year uh, and destined to only get worse in the next week or two. To lighter matters after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. And for those of you that have loved ones overseas, we are again sending uh, paddy boxes to all over the world. Free express next day delivery to anywhere in Ireland. The cheapest and easiest way of sending gifts abroad. And paddybox.com are delivering hampers this Christmas time to 180 countries worldwide. And you can send one to a loved one yourself by getting in touch with them at thepaddybox.com. So I'll tell you exactly what's in them again in a few minutes' time. But the emails are coming in thick and fast every single day. I got a lovely one from Colleen. She's got a brother down in Melbourne, Australia for a long, long, long time. And she joins me by phone. Colleen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Happy Christmas to you and all of the family. Where do you hail from? Where are you calling from? Well, I'm from uh, Saline down near Middleton. Um, at the moment, actually, at the moment, I'm in the COH car park. <laughs> okay, I hope it's nothing terribly serious. <laughs> no, it was my son attending a factory clinic today. All so right, okay, we're well, good. Sitting in the car park, I for, hope it yeah, ends yeah. well from now. Back in, let's unravel this story, right? Because back okay. in 1958, your parents 
uh, emigrated to Australia it was called the £10 scheme, wasn't it? On the £10 scheme at the time, because they were both well, they were living and working in England, so they went out on the £10 scheme. Right. So that so did it cost a tenner to go? Um, they were trying to it get people cost, to go and work and live in Australia at the time, weren't they? That's that's exactly what they were doing. Because um, recently the BBC did a programme on it. It was called the £10 pounds was the scheme. So for £10, they got to go to Australia and work in the services in Australia. OK, were they guaranteed a job or anything like that? Oh, well, my, my, my father had been with um, the... He was a fireman in Braintree and Essex, and he was to go and join the Queensland um, Fire Brigade. But as it happened, he met a guy going out on the ship, and it took five weeks to get there on the ship at the time. And he met a guy out there who was going into the prison service in Victoria. Yeah. So my dad decided to go there instead. Right. And he joined the, the prison service in Melbourne. Okay. So he became a prison officer, and yeah. Were, how many of the family would have been born out there? Because I know some were born, some came back and some stayed in it. Because your folks yeah. came back in 78, I think. They did. Um, I was the only one born there. I was born there in 1965. Right. So my brothers, Michael and Tony, my two older brothers, Michael was born in England in 1954 and Tony was born I think he was only eight months old when they immigrated in 1958 Right so Michael stayed behind many of you came Michael, home yeah. yeah okay We came home on the holiday in 1974 just my parents and I for three months and things were very good here in 1974 and my dad was looking at retirement so we he decided he wanted to come back to Ireland settle down Michael was in college then he was 23 or 24 and he stayed behind. Okay, I understand exactly the rigmaroles of the family yeah. now. And and tell me, when was the last time that Michael was home? It was in 1995, 28 years ago, when our mother passed away. And he never since then. Oh, that's a long never time ago, isn't it? It's a long time ago. Crikey. And are you in touch all of the time? No, this is the, the magic of Facebook and Messenger. We do, we talk regularly, maybe once every week, every fortnight, through Facebook Messenger now. Okay. It's wonderful. Okay, let me bring the him days, in at this point. The, okay. Let me bring oh him God. in at this point, because he's standing by waiting for me. Michael, good morning. Uh, good morning to you, Neil, or good evening from here. Oh, you sound like a right Aussie, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Where's Sorry, your Cork accent gone? <laughs> Well, I was saying to my partner, I should put a cork accent on, and she told me, don't you dare. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't chance it on national radio in Ireland. Finish every yeah. sentence in an Aussie accent with the word like, and you'll do just first. <laughs> <laughs> my God, man, it's been so long since... Where do you... Australia's clearly home, isn't it? I mean, you think about it, it must well, be. Well, it is. I, I was four and a half when I came out here, Neil, so... I basically, um, I've got vague memories of the trip out. Uh, I can remember going through the Suez Canal, Crikey. which was open at the time. And we had to stop at the Port of Aden, which I think is in Yemen, as you come out of the Red Sea there, because we were on a, a, a DSS Orontes. And my parents, saw, and apparently they were rioting in the streets, and they had uh, entertainers come on board, amongst them being a group of snake charmers. Snake charmers? Um, you remember that as yeah, a four-year-old? Well, because my parents thought it would be a good idea to take me up in pyjamas and see it, and uh, one of the guys <laughs> snake around my neck at four years old. <laughs> Vivid memories uh, of I that. The, it, and, and I've had a phobia of snakes ever since, so 
Australia's a great country to be in for me. You know, you're lucky you've got no snakes over there. <laughs> we have not. <laughs> St. Patrick got rid of all of those for us. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Why has it been so long years. since, I mean, and very sad to hear your last trip back was when your mum passed, but 28 years? Yeah, well, uh, well I've had five trips back now. Um, two weddings, two funerals, and the first time back was a year after my parents went there. And they'd bought a pub in Cloyne, ironically called the Haven Bar. And um, so my first trip back to Ireland, I stayed for 12 months. Uh, it was great because my parents had a pub. And we actually, uh, um, I had a mate from Australia come over and we got a job at Ballymoo House working for Rory Allen right. back in the day. Okay. And uh, we did all sorts of jobs out there. And... Um, it was it was a wonderful year, you know, and I, I think my mum was keen for me to settle down and stay there. But to be quite honest with you, Neil, I, you know, all my friends, I was brought up, educated in Australia, and um, um, you know, I, I just I couldn't see myself doing it. I know, I know. It's just you become very much ingratiated into the society. What did you work at when you were there? All these, you're, what are you, you're pushing seventy now. I assume you're retired, are you? What? No, I'm still working now. Fair play. <laughs> still working. I'm, I'm building up the city in annuation. I can't, I can't afford to retire. But um, what did you do? I work in what IT. I work in I, I've worked in IT for the last 28 years um, with a, a company called Fujitsu. So um, uh, they, they've been good to me. And uh, yeah. Um, so you'd be very and, much, and, uh, you'd be very much used to an Australian-style Christmas, then, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 for sure. Like um, at the moment, uh, um, we've had a very wet, wet start to summer, but uh, today it's kicked back in. It's what half past ten at night, and it's twenty six degrees at the moment at night. So, like, like Colleen, it's uh, pointless asking Michael what he misses about home because like he's been away <laughs> since he's four years old. It's like, well, I'd, I'd like to think he misses me. Yeah, well, <laughs> his, little, yeah. his little sister. Do you miss your sister, Michael? <laughs> Well, Neil, every time I've been to Ireland, I've had a great time, you know. As you say in Ireland, the crack is great in Ireland, so, you know, um, I've always had a good time. Um, But it it, it rains too much, to be quite honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm sure that. Well, this hamper is full of things like potato, cheese and onion crisps and Barry's tea and Cadbury's dairy milk chocolate. Does that make any sense to you? <laughs> that does, and it makes a lot of sense to me. It makes a lot of sense to me. I can remember selling crisps in the pub back in the day, all, uh, all those years ago. <laughs> we'll throw in some, we'll throw in some Ballymaloo relish for you for the mm-hmm. days you work down there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, that'd be great, Neil. That'd be lovely, Neil. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Sorry, Neil. When when it was my friend Mary um, tagged me in the post about this competition. And Michael wanted to know, could you remove the tenora and probably put in a bottle of Jemison? Not a hope. <laughs> you, 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 wouldn't get it, you wouldn't get it through customs. You can buy your own whiskey. I'll send you tenora. <laughs> probably, the first time, probably the first time you'll ever taste tenora, it says it. Uh, no, no, I tasted it back in the day. <laughs> he did, yeah. So he knows what tenora is, yeah. Right. So I suppose it'd be fish on Christmas Day then. No turkey and ham, no? No, exactly. We're, we're we're planning a seafood Christmas day. Boring, um, boring, boring. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you whatever you get up to, whatever you get up to, have a happy happy Christmas, my friend. And listen, get home soon, will you, for a visit? Yeah, I'll try. I'll try very hard, Neil. And, and thank you very much. I appreciate this.
<laughs> anything you want to say to I know you'll be chatting anything you want to say to Michael before I let him go Colleen no I'll talk to you probably tomorrow Mike I'll give you a buzz <laughs> alright all right, and, all right and, go on, and, love, and love I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be promoting your show around Australia from now on. Please do, please, right do. <laughs> please do. There is a patty. There's a patty. The okay, well, there's a patty box on the way to you, full of all sorts of goodies. Share it with all family and friends, and give them a taste of Ireland. All right. Well, I will, Neil. Thank you very much. Look after Thanks yourself, you, Colleen. You too. Thank you. Merry yeah. Christmas. Yeah. And you too. Yeah. Thanks, Colleen. Thank Thanks, you so much, Neil. Merry Christmas. All right, let me just stay actually um, tipping away as we head back overseas to uh, the Netherlands. Regular contributor to the program, I believe, the, the, the great Pat, originally from uh, Cathedral Road, I believe. Pat, good morning. How's the farm, Neil? Very good, my man. Very good. With your family and son. Oh, yes, thank you so much. My son got uh, got engaged last week. Big surprise, I have to tell you. Big surprise. Fantastic news. How's life, Pat Cronin? Tipping away? Uh, not too bad, Neil. Can't complain. But away. You do have one complaint, though. I hear tell that uh, Tom Durkin doesn't deliver spiced beef to the Netherlands, <laughs> and you're gutted. <laughs> I'm gutted because normally it's like you can't have a Cork uh, Christmas without some Tom Durkin spiced beef, right? I can't help you with the spiced beef. I don't think I can help I you know. with the tanora and the chocolates and the crisps and stuff <laughs> like that. I won't complain, Neil. Right. When, when were you back home? I think you, you do get back, though, don't you? Well, I do, sure. It's only like one and a half hours uh, flight, you know, so I get back maybe once or twice per year, so it's not too bad. I know. And tell me about Aidan. Well, Aidan is, uh, yeah, that's my son. He's 18 now, and uh, he's in college. He wants to be a chef, so completely different to myself, being in the technol- uh, in the technical field, but uh, he loves uh, cooking, so um, that's what he wants to do, so fair play to him. Was he born and reared there, or what? He was. He was born uh, here, so he has half Dutch, half English, uh, or like half Irish. And uh, inside the school, where they do English, he's never had any problems because he's fluent. It's almost like he's uh, native language. But <laughs> he's done very well for himself. Yeah. How much? So how many is out there with you in the family? Is there many? Just myself and Aidan. Just the two so, of uh, you. Yeah. What would Christmas yeah, Day two. be like? Um. Well, it'll be ham and uh, turkey for dinner, and uh, we'll watch some movies, and uh, yeah, just try and uh, maybe contact family back home, and uh, just try and enjoy the day that's in it. Any any chance of a, a home Christmas visit for a Christmas on Lee's oh, side? I'll get home uh, in January or so, I'll go home to my family, and uh, Aidan has exams after Christmas, so he'll probably be over around May. I know. The days are longer. Yeah, and sure the flights. I mean, it's nice It's nice to be sending a hamper that's not too far away rather than America and Australia and places exactly. like that. You're not, yeah. too, you're not too far from home. But you legged it. Um, I mean, I think it was the case that originally it was either legging it or signing on the dole, was it? That's correct, yeah. Um, I finished at the CIT at that time with a master's. Oh, it was in the early noughties, was it? Yeah, 2003, Neil, and uh, we, we were in the middle of a depression going on back then because something was going on in America and the banks were failing and all that kind of stuff. And it was either like go out and try it in a different uh, country or sign on the dole, and I couldn't bring myself to do that. No offence, like, to people that Oh, have I to understand. Sign on, oh, it's your I personal couldn't story. Do it. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't do it. And why, why did you go to the Netherlands? Um, because of Phillips. 
basically. It was just, I had this thing with, I mean, I was a fan of Philips uh, products and I just checked the internet and I said, oh, there's some opportunities over here. So I just went for it. That's the big electronics company. Have you worked with them then all your life since then? I have. I've stayed. Um, I've worked in different positions, of course, but I've moved my. I moved up the company over the last twenty years, thankfully. But um, yeah, I've stayed at that company for now. And, and I do appreciate the fact that you've always been listening. In fairness, you're one of the most loyal listeners. Who's back home then that you'd like to give a shout out to on this Tuesday morning? And all my family in Arcol and Hollyhill, and uh, the rest of them are scattered around Granabrother, and uh, we have one in Tipperary, so he's the outcast. <laughs> You haven't picked up a Dutch uh, accent, though, in fairness to you. I haven't. I, well, because I'm so often at home, I decided I'm not going to learn the Dutch language. I'll just pick it up as I go along, and I have my accent, and that's it. But you've got to be fluent now at this stage, are you? I can understand this. I mean, there's no more excuses now when the meeting happens here and they see that I'm in the room, then they go in Dutch. So, uh, yeah, that's something you just have you to... You don't want to be left with. behind. So is it turkey and ham then Christmas Day for sure, yeah? And all the trimmings. Ham, roast potatoes, a bit of Brussels sprouts and some other vegetables. You might want to try deep frying the Brussels sprouts. That's all the rage at the moment, apparently. Okay, right. In I batter. have air fryers from uh, Philip, <laughs> so that might actually work, you know? All right, well, listen, for you and for Aiden particularly for Aiden, I'm going to send a, a paddybox.com hamper and it's full of all sorts of goodies, lots of chocolates and biscuits and, you know, Barry's tea and potato cheese and onion crisps and McDonald's curry sauce and spice bags and tanora as well That's for the brilliant. special day, all right? Oh, excellent. Thanks very much, Neil. Happy and Christmas to you, Pat. Can I pass on my best regards to you and your family Thank and you all so of your much. staff as well. Have a great, have a fantastic uh, Christmas. Lovely chatting with you again. Take care, Pat. Take care of yourself, Neil. All the best. All the best. Lovely guy. Bye, bye. Meanwhile, a lot of emails coming in as well with regards to um, our giveaways. I'd like to, again, it's, it's just amazing the amount of people that have either been down there for a long time or have gone to Australia in the last 12 months. My friend Holly Ann O'Hare, currently nursing in Melbourne. Uh, the paddy box would definitely brighten up her Christmas. She won't be home this year to enjoy all of the Irish goodies. And of course, her favourite is the good old Barry's tea. Do you know something I read recently at the weekend? Uh, I think it was his, his wife was actually saying this. Shane McGowan would drink on average 70 cups of Barry's tea a day. A day. Uh, my brother Niall O'Driscoll has been in West Perth for 12 years. He hasn't come home for Christmas for the last 11 years. He's to work really hard in the mines and his holidays are in the summertime. He comes home then and when he does, he loves all the munchies that my mum has. The same as you have in your hampers. He loves his takeaways too. When he's home, he'd order a load of takeaway from different places. They all know his order off by heart and know when he's home. They even send him reminders by text. If you give him a paddy box hamper, it would be the best Christmas present ever. My mum used to send him bits every year but she hasn't been so well and it would be the best Christmas present ever not just for me but for my mum as well that's from Nicola O'Driscoll on behalf of her mum and a hamper for her brother Niall in West Perth. We'll see how we go with that. Some more texts here. A hamper for my nephew Kelvin. He's living in New Zealand for 10 years. Only 26. Going through a tough time at the moment with Hodgkin's lymphoma for a few years. He's having chemo now. Hopefully a hamper might put a smile on his face. This is Auntie Barbara. Morning, Neil. I'm Dave, a proud Corkonian living in Dublin. <laughs> 
I may not be in faraway places like Melbourne or Tokyo, but right now it feels like a world away up here. My dad's fighting cancer and going through tough chemo and radiotherapy. This Christmas will be quieter since we can't travel to Cork while he's getting treatment. Myself and my partner Haley and our little one Dylan really miss dad and granddad Jerry, and we'd love a little gift to tell him we're thinking about him and the spirit of Christmas, says Dave in Dublin. Where else have I got here from different places? I see loads and loads from Australia. Oh, I'd love to win a paddy box for my Uncle James. He's living in Bulgaria with his Bulgarian wife and their two-year-old daughter. He misses the good quality chocolate and tea from home, and it's very important that my little cousin experiences the best Irish produce from a young age. So I'll be educating the child, I suppose. Anyway, they won't be home for Christmas, but hopefully we'll see them next summer when they come to visit. It would be just an amazing gift so they know that they're being thought of. And to keep their Irish roots strong, says Eva McKenna. And another one then, if I can find another place that isn't just for now Australia, because so many of them are Australian, it's amazing. Uh, Thomas O'Callan and his wife, El- wife Elsdorf, or his wife, I should say, are in Elsdorf in Germany. We're expecting them home for Christmas this year. But all, but we, as we all had a very difficult year with our father being diagnosed with cancer, they had to make the difficult decision that they couldn't afford it this year, as he'd been home three times already due to a bereavement. My brother really misses Irish food and goes to an Irish shop in Germany to get his bits and pieces. I couldn't think of a more deserving couple and their two children with a third on the way than one of your Irish goodie boxes. And that's from Kathleen on behalf of her brother Thomas in Elsdorf in Germany. I see one here from Vancouver, Canada. Uh, hamper for my daughter and her friends. It'll be the first time since Chloe was born 25 years ago that we won't have Christmas together. She's my only daughter. I miss her beyond words, but I'm happy that she's making a life for herself. It would be a wonderful treat for herself and her pals, uh, says Phil Quirk. So they obviously went out as a group. A bunch of girls went out to Vancouver in Canada. But um, it's amazing. I'm just, I know I've said it over and over again, but Australia, Australia, Australia is just absolutely bizarre. Keep them coming. You still have a day or two to email neil at redfm.ie. The voice of Cork, Neil Prendeville. Weekdays 9 to midday, Cork's Red FM. I mean, it's not as if we're just looking at Australian emails and people in Australia more than any other country. It's just that so many have gone and are down there. It's, I mean, it shouldn't surprise me because you know of so many 20-somethings and 30-somethings that have actually gone in the last 12 months alone. But anyway, more of that again in the morning. Uh, lovely text in from Anthony regarding the late Frank Toomey whose death was announced yesterday morning. It's very sad to hear the passing of Frank Toomey. I remember him as a child in Bosco. But most of all, I remember when he was MC at a St. Patrick's Day parade in McCroom. He was dressed up as Mary O'Rourke, complete with wig, dress and accent. He was absolutely hilarious. May he rest in peace, says Anthony. He loved all of that. He loved all the pomp and ceremony of dressing up and getting into various characters. In fact, Joe, who is uh, Joe's Edge Hair Salon and Blarney, joins me by phone. Joe, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Are you are you actually working on anybody's hair right now as I'm talking to you? Well, a very kind lady said she wouldn't mind waiting until I spoke to you. <laughs> She's just waiting there with wet hair, is she? Well, we did put a towel around her head because I wouldn't like her to get a cold. All right, well, I won't keep you long and get back to the important job of the woman's hair. But you you, um, you, you performed with Frank back in the Monford days, was it? Oh, my God, I performed with Frank. We had so much fun. He was some character, and I must say it's a sad day for Cork. But he was just outrageous. He could take anybody off. <laughs> 
He was really great at taking more radio off in the chateau. Was he really? Was he, yeah? Oh my God, you'd go over on your lunch, you'd meet Frank and he'd talk to Maura in the same tone as Maura spoke to him, but I don't think she realised. Really? That was a compliment to Maura. Yeah, he was a gas man. He was a fabulous mimic. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. We were in uh, the dressing room one night and he came in and we were told to buy a prop for some show. I can't remember the exact show, but he was inside looking at material and there was this very posh sort of lady looking to buy material. Where, what shop were you in? Do you recall material. the shop? What, do you recall the oh shop? Oh God, it was lots of stores, I think. Right, okay, yeah. So the lady was standing there and Frank was told to get material for whatever we were doing. So he was watching the lady and anyway, the assistant caught the material and threw it at the lady. She was sick to death of her. <laughs> and she turned, the lady turned around and said, oh, who flung that rag at I? <laughs> I? And Frank took it off and every night when we were getting ready for a show, he'd throw a costume at someone and say, who flung that rag at I? <laughs> oh my God. He was, I must say I loved him to bits. He was such a character and we had some just amazing times. I mean, the Manfreds, you know, we started in the Manfreds and then Frank took off and became a professional and... Um, it's just a very sad day. I know, it's very sad. He'd light up a dressing room because I share dressing rooms like you did down through the years and he was always oh God, the centre. Yeah. He was always the centre of everything. People would gravitate towards him. He was always in good form um, and always just full of energy and you know? always just amazing. Packy said yesterday and he may have grown up but he never grew up. He may have grown old but he never grew up. But he never grew up. That is so true. And you know what? No matter how upset someone was or no matter how bad a situation was, he always found humour in it. Yeah. You know, he'd always cheer you up if you were down. And I can honestly say, you know, we did shows with him there and we'd have more fun in the dressing rooms than we would have on the stage. <laughs> Much of it wouldn't be allowed on stage. <laughs> no, definitely not with Frank. Not a lot of it, but he was an amazing character. All right, let's have it. Thank you so much, Joe. I let you get back to work. Appreciate the all. lovely Thank tribute. There's another little bit of the audio for you. This is Frank again with Pacquiao Callan doing their thing. I think they're in trying to get a I think they're in trying to get a loan. Uh, from the credit union, or at least Frank is trying to get a loan from the credit union. So Packy obviously is the um, um, credit union worker who's uh, asking questions about what the loan is for, right? Is it only on Mr. Um, Murphy? No, Mr. Murphy. You like that? I'm grand. No, Mr. Murphy, you have an application here for a loan. I do. Of uh, 5,000 euro. I do. No, I have to ask you the purpose of the loan, Mr. Murphy. Home what's the purpose of the loan? Home improvements. Home improvements. And uh, what's the precise nature of the home improvements, Mr. Murphy? Window replacement, double glazing. Window replacement and double glazing. Should I give you five grand last Christmas for the double glazing? <laughs> you did. What, what, what was I thinking? What I meant to say, Mr. Bottomo, was third level education. Your eldest fella, is it? No, he's still in jail. <laughs> Myself. Yourself? No, I'm, um, I'm thinking of going back to college by night. I'm half thinking of doing gynecology. <laughs> Part-time. Part-time gynecology? Yeah. And do you, do you feel there'd be openings there, like? <laughs> Talk it down. Even if you never deliver the baby, Mr. Bottomer, You'll be qualified to wallpaper a hall, stairs and landing through the letterbox. 
<laughs> Actually, just talking about little pieces of audio, Packy and Frank tried to convince the Irish Dragons in Dragon's Den to invest in the show in 2011. I imagine that would have been Santa Bonza or Boston. It was the first time ever in the Irish version of Dragon's Den that all of the five dragons actually invested. Paddy O'Callaghan and Frank Toomey are two veterans of Irish stage, radio and television who are hoping to turn our dragons into angels, the term theatrical types use for the people who invest in plays. Paddy and Frank's show is called Surviving Santa Ponza. Hello? I come here, I'm warning you. I don't care where you end up today, me and Cameron's getting our full eight hours on the beach. I don't care if he gets lost and I don't care if he get arrested again. And come here, don't mind giving the guards our number. It's private. <laughs> At least we got to see how a different criminal justice system works. I can't wait to tell him all in the bar when I get home. Excuse me now. I'm warning you now, Noreen, if you mention that to anybody, next year's holiday will be in jeopardy. Jeopardy? Yes. Where's jeopardy? <laughs> Noreen? What? That look over there. She's staring at us, yes, isn't he? Come here, have you a problem? Uh, 20 euro? 20 euro for what? Do we think we're on the game or something? 20 euros for what? For the deck chairs? You must be joking, boy. We're only here five minutes. You're getting no 20 euros. Shag off. Anyway, mine collapsed. Come here, I could have a claim. Come back here, you. I want your name and number. Take it easy now, girl. I, I fractured. Do I know? I no unnecessary body movement now? Mind yourself. Get help. I, I get help. Stay like you are now and get help. Help! 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 Is, is, is there a solicitor on the beach? <laughs> is there a solicitor on the beach by any chance? <laughs> Their pitch on Dragon's Den. The great Pacquiao Callahan with the late uh, Frank Toomey's fantastic audio. I'd love some more of that. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. He's the solicitor on the beach. I love it. Okay, Moz Gaffney has released a new song. It's his latest offering and it's also a song for Christmas. I want to play it here. His first radio play and I'm delighted to be able to do it. Miles, good morning. I think it was inspired, you know, wasn't it? It's been inspired by the lad who wrote to Dal Aaron, the lad called Kevin, who uh, wrote to Dal Aaron looking for a home, wasn't he? He was living in a hotel. That's right, yeah, yeah. I started a Christmas song and I couldn't, uh, I stalled it, I couldn't find a way, you know, I just needed a storyline. And uh, But I was basing on Home Alone, first and all, about a child missing his family. Same Kevin, then, a different uh, Kevin kid, but same name, yeah. Yeah, it was ironic. And next thing, uh, I came across that letter, I've been read out in the dial chamber, and uh, bingo, there, there it was. So I just made up, you know, it was my imagination and wrote that song. Yeah, I mean, no Irish child should be living in a hotel. No child at all should be living in a hotel, but unfortunately, too many are. Well, yeah, well, I mean, look, I'm a proud Irish man. It saddens me to see the current state of Ireland. I mean, what a condition this country is in. And to see the next generation of Irish children, children that should be cherished and loved, that's our next generation. And they're, they're actually second best, no, they're second in, in this country, in my opinion. And uh, the government are looking after every Tom, Dick and Harry's problems. They can't look after our own. Yeah, I know. I think and, it's, uh, uh, I think it's put very poignant that that lad's letter was very short, wasn't he? He lived in a hotel. He said, Santa, my name is is Kevin, please come to the hotel again with my Batman toys. I mean, like, short but sweet, yeah, but it delivers the message, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's the same with the lyrical content of the song, it's short and sweet, but it's, there's a message in the song, you know, and I don't, to be honest, when I when I put it out there, I didn't think it was going to get this reaction at all that it's getting online and, and, and downloads and 
I, I was just asked could I write a Christmas song and I just done it and um, there's few people have sent messages in saying that they were them people you know that I actually Amazing. spoke to that young fella's family the other day on the phone are they still in the hotel? The young fella Kevin no no they were housed as far as I know yeah but uh, I just rang them out of courtesy just to tell the little boy that was a very brave thing he'd done speaking out and, and for the other children in Ireland I wonder, and if, that, his, um, I wonder if his letter his helped his family to get them home probably did I probably did, yeah, right. but I just wanted to thank him for the inspiration, like, and you know, well keep done. his head up and, and well done. All right, man, I want to give it a spin. Um, I'm not surprised that people are saying that it's beautiful, it's a great piece of work, because you're one hell of a talented guy. Let's have a listen to it, Miles Gaffney's Bring Me Home This Christmas. I don't know what I see it before Christmas, but if I don't, happy Christmas to you, Miles. Happy Christmas to you, Neil. Thanks for everything this year. Thanks to everybody at Red FM. Got to meet them all good. and nailed it again I have to say I'm quite emotional about that it's a superb song Miles Gaffney's, Miles Gaffney's new song Bring Me a Home This Christmas a beautiful piece of work well done Miles have a good day I'll see you tomorrow for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts